Right. Right. I'm good to go. You're good to go. Now yeah. then, now then, are you sat comfortably? Because this is going to be a little bit of a different ride. Oh. Mm? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. all I'm going to say. So are you ready? I am. Okay, then. Let's, Scared. Let's go. Hello everyone, thank you for listening to whatever number this may be of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is the entertainment show for June, July 2020, sponsored as always by Below the Belt Grooming. So joining me once again is Chris. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad, apart from the sweat already dripping <laughs> my back. Yeah, I was going to say, it is, um, as the, the, we record on the 31st of July, I think, is it today that's the hottest day? Um, uh, not on record as such, but, you know, one of the hottest days towards the end of July. Or It's fucking hot. It anyway, is hot. It like I think that. here, where we are, it's the hottest day of the year so far. Oh, there you go. Mm. So, I mean, uh, I Kay went out in the car earlier on, and when she turned the car on, it was like 40 degrees, um, you know, uh, as per the car. Uh, I went for a run earlier on, and nearly melted. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it, it was, you know, I managed to get through it all because of a bit of below the belt. Um, mm-hmm. It's been invaluable the last couple of days, I have to say, because it was hot yesterday as well. We should say as well, they very kindly sent all of us some of their product as well, didn't they? So, mm-hmm. Yes, and rather lovely it is. I mean, I, I did actually buy some, as it turns out, sort of before that happened, uh, you know, from Amazon, uh, using the link on our website Ooh, as well, because I've them. been doing that quite a lot lately. Uh, <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> I'm, I've been stuck in, so, you know, uh, not being able to go out to the shops as such. So I've probably been using Amazon a little bit more. But then saying that, uh, I've actually been losing the link on the website, which has been quite useful, I guess. So It's very useful. And of course, let's have an early plug. Everybody should be using the link. If you're going to buy from Amazon UK, use the link on the website. Use the link on the website that's in three quarters of the way through having a bit of a, a refit as well. Thank, thanks to the, a new logo. Oh, yes. Who Did you design that or how did that come about? Because it looks rather lovely. Yeah, well, I thought... We're six years old in September, so I thought, oh, let's have a, just a bit of... Well, it's Tina first mentioned it, and she said, oh, how about a new logo? So I said, oh, go on then, after some umming and R in. And I was going to do the new logo for September to time it in for the sixth birthday. Hmm. And then I did. I just sat and did it one afternoon, and I thought, oh, bugger it. I'll, I'll just put it online now and put it everywhere, and then it's ready for the sixth birthday. So, yeah, did it a couple of hours, one afternoon, and... It's got good feedback, so that's okay, which is good. I'm glad nobody's going, what a load of bollocks that is. So. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say that, but I thought I best not. <laughs> no, but it's uh, so how did you do that then? Just out of interest, I'm curious because, you know, is there a program that you used or because it, it looks, I mean, it does, does look. If you could, because I've I've got both up actually, because I've obviously got the the Skype sort of like logo, which yeah. is the old one, and then I've got the new one, and it is a lot more detailed in it. You know, it's just like with the headphones, look a bit more defined. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you added the, the you know the the world, you know the globe, uh, and then you've changed the the icon, and you know added the sixty MW and all that. It's very cool. So, how did you do it? I'm curious. I just did it in Photoshop. 
And yeah. yeah, I think the only thing that's remained of the original logo is just the stopwatch bit, which, like you said, is now the zero in 60. And because so many people still, it's my fault when I named the fucking podcast calling it 60 Minutes With. But I think I've told the story before because <laughs> it was originally just me going to be doing hour long interviews. And then, that, of course, over six years, that's all changed. And then the confusion we sometimes get with the show, 60 Minutes. It's like, oh. So a lot of the places have just put 60MW now. And it's in the logo, so sort of you get more associated with 60MW than 60 Minutes With, even though the website is always going to be 60 Minutes With, and so is the Twitter, but it's 60MW and the new logo. But yeah, just a fresh coat of paint, a little bit flash, a little bit more posh, you know, mm, which we are. That's we're, we're known for our high-class talk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, uh, you've been busy sort of, uh, getting the YouTube off, you know, channel off the, the ground a little bit more as well, haven't you? And doing a bit of work with that. Yeah, well, that was another reason for the new logo as well, of releasing it before the sixth birthday, because me and Tom did the video interview. We did it back in June with Mark Weiss, the rock photographer. And I thought, well, okay, so the YouTube channel's been kicked off again, because nothing's been put up on there for eight months. And that was when I went to, down your neck of the woods, actually, um, to the, oh my God, KK Steel Mill. Mm. Uh, and watched watch the gig there. That was the last video that I put up. So I thought, okay, if we're going to do more video interviews and maybe a little bit more like bonus content, um, I'll I'll put the new logo on there, and it's all it's all ready. So that went on the beginning of that video. Hopefully, people have watched it. If not, um, it's an audio show as well, which has the bonus audio of me and Tom, uh, um, which is the main thing that people want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> he says trying to kid himself um but yeah it's 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 all a few changes as we you know approach six years old you've got to do something a bit different now and again yeah no and looking at it that um uh kk mill uh, re- uh interview that you put up I mean, it's had over twenty thousand views That's <laughs> it went bonkers mental. for a little while yeah it still gets quite a few now it's weird yeah i don't um, think i don't think any other <laughs> Videos will have that many views, but you never know. We hit 100 subscribers, which was nice. So that way we could get our own um, custom URL. So it's youtube.com slash C slash 60MW podcast. But you've got to get you've got to get to a thousand subscribers before mm. you can even think of getting any money from it. It's a minimum thousand and then up from there. So yeah, oh, really 900 subscribers to go. Well, you never know. It's um, it, it, these things do happen. I, I I said to Alan recently when we recorded the Metallica show that you know I'm constantly sort of um, you know amazed by your exploits. I still can't get over the whole Samurai Cop two stuff. That was just you know that that's the stuff out of a movie. You know, <laughs> sort of like doing a, a fan commentary, finding that you know thinking that the um, the lead actor from the first film film was dead. And then finding out that actually he was still alive and then sort of being part of getting the, the sequel off the ground, being in the sequel um, and then going to Los Angeles and doing the sort of like the show comparing and, mm. and all, the, you know, and then being on the commentary for that. That was amazing. Do you know what I mean? Can't get my head around that, but yeah. Yeah, well, there is. I'll give you now, mate. I'll give you a world exclusive because I was going to keep. I was going to keep this quiet for well for a few more months actually. But seeing as you've said that, you know the soundcheck memories show of which they've released two, and I've got a third planned. Um, yes. 
well, later this year, there's going to be a two-part Spotlight Memories show. Oh. Uh, and part two is going to be all about that, the Samurai Cop experience. Because like you said, there's some good stories to tell, which will be interesting. If nobody knows about it, there's some good stories to tell. Uh, and part one is going to be how I was voted, uh, and still am, Britain's scariest person. Um, and went to Romania and was in a Hellraiser film. So. <gasps> yes, that's another one. That's another story. That's I love that. That's great. And I did. You have got your own IMDb page as well, haven't you? Yeah, it needs updating. Um, it's weird when I, <laughs> when I search for my name because in certain movie uh, websites it puts me under some sort of semi-porn titles, which. <laughs> Not gay porn? No, no, not gay, not gay porn. <laughs> Although maybe I do on some sites. I don't know what the, yeah, my IMDb credits do need updating. Well, I guess that's one way to update your IMDb credits, you know, and get a bit of notoriety, I guess, if you, well, not that there's anything wrong with it, if you're mm. so inclined yeah. to do a bit of gay porn, perhaps. Yeah, why not? You know, I've got, <laughs> I use the below the belt. Grooming products. Oh god! Nobody would have any problem going near my balls, mate. My, I was nice going to say, oh, they'd, they'd be queuing up around the bloody block to get their <laughs> mouth around your bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a very professional segue as well. Since we last recorded, we are both a year older now, and of course, one of the uh, one of the many things that happen as you get older is you know, like you can tell the age of a tree by you cut it and the, or the rings inside it. You can mm. you can tell the age of a man by how close his balls are to the floor, because <laughs> every year older they get just a little bit closer to the floor. You can do all the exercising you want, but gravity and your nutsack, mate, it's just losing battle, losing Ooh. battle. See, I haven't quite experienced that yet. I must admit, and uh, you know, if I tickle them in the right spot, they do go tighter than a hamster curled up in a ball <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um you know so I'm, I'm, i guess these things do come to us all at some point well you know apart from women i guess oh. um but uh you know i do uh it, it is gonna happen i guess but at the moment i'm i'm feeling quite good about my my taters <laughs> <laughs> before you know it mate you'll be tucking them into your socks like i do <laughs> Really, and I fucking wear ankle socks, so God, there's no help for me at all. Um, just staying briefly on balls, seeing as we got back to the to the subject <laughs> of balls and the below the belt grooming stuff, we joked about in the past, and Tina was saying about um, that they should produce some below the boob grooming for, um, well, not to put too fine a point on it, sweaty tits. And mm. uh, because Below the Belt very kindly sent us some of the products, she's tried it underneath her boobies. Oh. And it does work. Oh. <laughs> it does, which went, oh, this feels good and uh, nice and not as sweaty now. So, Ooh. yeah, there you go. It's a hidden, they really should market some as Below the Boob grooming. Yeah, I sounded a bit like Frankie Howard then. I, was, I went to be all Frank, <laughs> Frankie Howard. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> one last thing about Below the Belt. Uh, obviously, everybody knows you should buy the products. They're really good. Um, we did mention in the last episode two months ago, we'd just like a little ditty, a little ditty to help. Oh, yeah. For, for our ball talk section in these shows. Um, and below the belt, the very good people there, they have confirmed they've got a nice little package of, of their goods to give away to whoever would be the winner of the ditty. 
And we've had nobody enter yet. <laughs> so people, now, you've got two months. You've got until the end of September to get us just a little ditty that we can use in these shows before our ball talk section. You will get a very nice package from Below the Belt Grooming. And they'll probably play it on all their social media as well. Um, so especially if you're into music or you do a bit of music, it'd be really good free publicity for you as well. Mm. But what I want to I do, mean- mate, as well... In case anybody missed that show, I want to take us back in time. So this is the standard that is they've got to beat, right? Because people might be thinking, I'm not very musically minded. What do I do? 20 seconds at the very, very most. It could be five seconds, but 20 seconds at the very, very most. And let's go back in time. And this is what you've got to beat. Look after your balls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's something that be- rhymes with below the belt. Um, Ooh, felt. Yes. You felt? Like, yeah. if, you, if you ever want to get felt, then get some below the belt. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. The standard has been set right now. That's what you've got to be, folks. And we're back in present day. <laughs> That was amazing. So I'm the front runner, as it stands. Then I guess for, the, for this <laughs> lovely package, you're the front runner. If nobody else enters, mate, it's you know you've got another package from below the belt. So yeah, I mean, even if you've got like a Casio keyboard or something like that, just you know, just I mean, if I thought about it, I could actually write something myself, and I could just sort of sing it. I can't play an instrument particularly. Actually, I've got a guitar. I can play, play yeah. a few chords. I'm sure I could come up with something. It is a challenge, you know. If I, I can't win, you know, because I, I'm clearly I'm <laughs> shit, um, you know. So please, somebody's got to send something in that's half decent because I don't want to win with that shit effort <laughs> and that's playing across all the below the belt social media outlets yeah come on, people. Come on. yeah save chris from that embarrassment <laughs> of it just being everywhere that's that's what you've got to be you've got two months to do it I'm, i've got faith in people come on don't let us down um, i'm definitely i'm i think i'm gonna have to sit down and uh have a little think about this and then i'll maybe enter something myself because we can't have nothing, and it can't be that crap effort. I'll have to think of something better. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown, and that's it. Um, I've got one more thing as well I want to point Ooh. out. Um, by the time this show's released, I didn't say an episode number at the beginning because, once again, I'm sort of moving stuff around. We've got a few podcasts recorded. I'm waiting on a few interviews, so I don't know when I'm going to do them, and they're slotted in to fit in with different things. But I know by the time this show's recorded, um, a couple previous would have been out. I'm using different equipment, as Chris has found out this evening, just to pull mm. the curtain back. So I'm still tweaking stuff. So for the previous couple of shows and this one, you may think, oh, Dave sounds a little bit different now. And I may continue to sound a little bit different as I tweak stuff. He says as he just hits a wire that is not normally there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the trouble. There's stuff around me that's not normally around me, so I'm getting used to to doing stuff. Um, so, yeah, just bear with me while I get all this tweaked over the next few episodes, but hopefully I don't sound too bad anyway. No, I, I, you sound fine, but I was thinking when you were saying that, uh, I don't know why, I just pictured you tweaking your nipples. I, I don't know why, just... 
You always picture that. Come on. <laughs> I think it's just the word tweak. Whenever anybody says the word tweak, I just mm. imagine somebody, you know, kind of fiddling with their nipples and playing with them a little bit. But, you know. I've got to admit, the word tweak does send me straight to nipples as well, thought-wise. It's, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for updating people on stuff that's that's gone on, that's happened with yeah, below the belt. We're both older. Um, oh fucking hell, mate! I'm closer to sixty than I am to fifty now. Wow. I see. I was thinking about that because I was forty-four um, the other week. So it kind of you know I, I'm still in my early forties. Exactly. I was kidding myself. I thought, oh, I'm fifty-four. That's, that's early 50s. I'm barely out of my 40s. You can kid yourself that I'm still in my 40s. And now, 55, and you think, fuck, mate, it's a one-way ticket to 60. And I'm 20 still, aren't I? <laughs> Obviously not. Yeah, bit scary. Yeah. I think it doesn't, you know, like I'm saying at the moment, it's a big believer in it. It's just, like we've said before, I think age is just a number, isn't it? And it doesn't mm. doesn't matter how old you are physically as such, you know, as long as you can, you know... <laughs> uh still get around i guess a bit or but it's it's about mentally yeah, and even definitely. that it's 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 how you are in your outlook in life i think that's the main thing that matters isn't it um if you've got i think and i think you are and i think you know movies and video games you know and doing this helps to keep you sort of mentally you know young and i think mm, that's really yeah. important you know yeah although before you know it you know two years from now it'll be the entertainment show and me and you and I'll be boring you about, I don't know, saga holidays and <laughs> crown green bowling. <laughs> Some old man bollocks like that. Well, you you do you do occasionally sort of say, you know, you like that, was it, uh, the oh God, a man called Ove or, or whatever. Oh, you, you, wonderful. You do like your old man films as I well, do. don't you? Well, that's it. Yeah, I am finding it. A man called Ove, um, the last movie star, Burt Reynolds, yeah. ones like that. Yeah, ones, it's basically when's, yeah, ones when men... Old men are, I don't know, pissed off and, and angry at, at younger people. Yeah. Well, the yeah. thing is, I mean, like, um, Clint Eastwood was 90 recently, wasn't he? Mm. I mean, he's still bloody directing and, you know, making great movies. And so, yeah. it, it, you know, if he can do it, then anyone can oh, do it, course. really. Well, that's one of my birthday movies I watched, um, rewatched The Mule, first time watch on 4K. Mm. Uh, yeah, and he was, I think he was eight, well, he was 89, 88. 89 when he made it and he's topless with two naked women on him in that it's like well yeah i mean it's one of those that i suppose if you're going to direct a film you know when you get to a certain age you can do whatever you want really can't you uh and particularly if you're the boss and you yeah. say you know what whether it fits the context of the movie or not i'm gonna i'm gonna but have a, a scene in here where i'm i'm naked or i'm topless with two hot women you know because i can <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah. would do. And he's Clint Eastwood. He can do whatever he wants. Oh, of course he can. Yeah. yeah. Well, shall we move on to uh, some entertainment stuff that we've been Ooh. watching or whatever? Yeah. yeah I was, you know, because um, we've talked about Letterboxd a little bit, uh, which we're both on. Uh, yes. You've got the premium version, which I, I don't have. That unlocks loads of statistics, oh, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're into your stats, mate, it's it's a no-brainer. I'm tempted, I must admit. Is it £20 or something no, like that? No, no, it's less year? than that. I think it's uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to guess at 14 or 15 It's, it's, it's just over a pound a month from, yeah. you know, from what I remember. 
I'm tempted, I must admit. But sort of, it's a weird, like, I, you know, I'm not sure what's quite happened as such, but sort of leading up to June, uh, our last show where we talked about the Fried Double Dip, The Professor and the Madman, and um, oh, what was the other film that we, we talked about? I can't remember. I know, it's gone from my head now too. <laughs> Extraction, well that done. was it. Um, and a good old letterbox. <laughs> well, anyway, I only watched four films in June, um, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I've picked it up, I must admit, for July. Um, but yeah, you know, I've gone from sort of, you know, I'm spo- as, I, as I presume a lot of people did, sort of like from March onwards, watching a lot, um, to sort of June, um, not watching a great deal at mm. all. But there's there's actually some good I've got some good things in there. Um, but well, I'm not going to talk about it yet. I'll talk about it. But my biggest recommendation is actually a TV show, Ooh. which I know you're shuddering at because you know TV shows and all that. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm yeah, that was my biggest one. So really, I've just got well, I was I say to entice the listener, I've got a load of bollocks to talk about. It's <laughs> <laughs> normal, really. Yeah. So you know, because a lot of it is. Um, Rewatches, I must admit again, but there's some some new stuff, but sort of new old stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. That'll make more sense when I explain what I mean. Okay. Well, I, so, I, yeah, I'll admit that over the last couple of months as well, we've we've done well, especially me. I've done loads of rewatching stuff. Um, mm. Like yourself, I mean, together with me and Tina, we went through the first four Alien films. Uh, oh yeah. We went through the three Christopher Nolan Batman films. Mm. We're oh, I, I've lost count. Uh, we're doing a rewatch of disaster movies at the moment, where we've watched like Towering Inferno, Earthquake, uh, Airport movies, uh, The Core, Deep Impact, uh, Dante's Peak, and so on and so forth. Uh, loads of review movies for the website. Um, so again, people listening to this, you're interested in films, go to the website. Loads of reviews on there. I'm now nine movies into the 11 movie box set of Gamera from um, Arrow, which Jesus. is released on the 17th of August. It's fucking amazing box set. Yeah. Or the presentation of it. I mean, we, we get the check disc, you know, we don't get the, the retail box or anything. The discs, the, the special features on them, um, the films, everything about it is superb. You Then you throw in the packaging that's in there and everything else that you get with it. It's a no-brainer. Anybody with any interest in Gamera, and if you don't know what Gamera is, think think of Godzilla, but he's um, a terrapin who, <laughs> who likes... This is going to sound so dodgy. Who likes children? Um, not in that way. That would be a really weird Japanese... Not, sub- not in a Jimmy Savile type of way. Not in, not in that kind of way. No. Um, yeah, that would be a very different box set. So we've been doing a lot of rewatching of stuff, but I've, I've not got as as many sort of recommendation new stuff as I'd normally have um, because we've been doing like rewatching stuff and reviewing a lot of stuff. But I've got some, I've got some nice nice nuggets for you and for everybody mm. listening. Mm. Yeah, me too. Uh, can I just do a little bit of? Uh, you mentioned the website a little bit, but a bit of cross promotion pluggage if mm. you want to call it that um for one of our shows obviously but um adam and i have been doing the spotlight reflection shows and we've been doing them fairly regularly i must admit mm. so and because i'm just looking that um we did um awol at the end of may and then um in july so far we've done th- we've recorded three shows Bloody um, hell. 
I know. So we've done the uh, we've done space balls. Uh, we've done rawhead wrecks. And um, on Wednesday this week, we actually recorded the Karate Kid Part 2 as well. So we've got three shows there that we've done. And we've got the next one planned. And here's, I know you've given us a, like a kind of a world exclusive. But I'll give you an, also, an, an exclusive as well. Because people may not. That they may hear this before they hear any of the shows that I've mentioned, mm -hmm, such as yeah. Rawhead Rex or Karate Kid Part 2. The film that we're going to be talking about after Karate Kid Part 2 is Stone Cold. Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> yeah. So, because Karate Kid Part 2 was um, Adam's pick, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go with uh, Stone Cold, because he's never watched it before as well. <gasps> oh, so it'd be fun to sort of see what his reaction is to it. If he doesn't love it, he's he's sacked. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, to be fair, you know, I, I'm really enjoying doing those. It's nice to go back to sort of films that we watched when we were kids and have, may have not seen for years and years and years. Um, it's just, it's enjoyable, you know, and I, I think we've had some good feedback as well. Um so yeah, I mean, I just thought I'd mention that because we have, you know, been on a bit of a roll with those of mm. late. You know, definitely. And I know, you know, we've said before that um, people that subscribe to us and thank you if you do subscribe. Uh, a lot of people don't listen to every single show. You pick and choose what you like because we've got that many different formats. But I'd like to think that people that listen to this show because we primarily talk about, you know, films and documentaries and that would listen to those spotlight reflection shows where you focus on one film and go back. And, and the format of them that you're looking back on films that, you know, back in your youth, you enjoyed. And are they, are they still any good now? I think that's a really good format. And, you know, you, you talk about the film and you have a laugh with it and, you know, you go back with your memories and everything. So people that listen to this, if you haven't heard one of those Spotlight reflect, Reflection shows, all right, you've got you've got some, some good stuff to go back and listen to. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's it's good fun. I'm enjoying doing it. It's always, it's always fun as well, not knowing what the other person's going to pick. Yeah. But, um so and as well it's fun because like sometimes neither you know i haven't seen the film that he recommends or vice versa so yeah it's it's good it's all good mm. anyway well i'm gonna start with youtube again i've got one oh. youtube recommendation now i did talk about this briefly on the um july decade of decadence show which if my planning for the shows works out will be the show that's released just before this one so you may well have heard a little bit of talk about it um, but of course, Chris, you don't know about this one. It's brilliant. The YouTube channel is called Reshoots. Uh, and when I checked the other day, it's only got 23,000 um, subscriptions on it. Uh, and it should have far, far more than that. Um, there's a lot of YouTube channels where they'll take a film from the past and they will go, um, what does it look like now? You know, they'll go back to the set or, or the, the places, the locations where The Godfather, for example, was filmed. But a lot of them are just photographs or something. They'll take a little bit of film. The great thing about reshoots is it will take a scene from a film and it will go split screen. So on one side of the screen or sometimes on the top and the bottom, you'll see the original shots from the movie. Now, what they do is they go present day to where these films were, wherever they were filmed, and they recreate the shot. So if it's, you know, it's a panning shot or a tracking shot, they, they replicate that shot from the film. No way. So wow. you're seeing the shot from the film at the same time as you're seeing that shot replicated and how the place looks now. So again, you're listening to this, I like to think, you, you know, you love movies and that. This is just so engrossing. Most of them are only like about 10 minutes long. So they're one of the, oh, I'm going to have a cup of tea. I'll watch one of these reshoots. And I think 
there's about 50 on there at a guess. Uh, and they're, all of them are just so <laughs> amazing. Um, I mentioned it on Decade of Decadence because there's loads of films from the 80s on there, but there's loads of films from way before, you know, going back to, the, I think, the 50s, possibly the earliest one that I could think of, to present day. Well, not present day, because that would be fucking pointless. Recreating <laughs> something that was shot the day before. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're so interesting and definitely worth a subscription. After you subscribe to 60 Minutes with Podcast, of course, on YouTube another plug uh subscribe to reshoots and have a look on there it is brilliant i love it it's my uh one of my favorite youtube channels mm. i'm just oh. subscribed to it. it i mean like you said the videos range from anything between four minutes to eight minutes i think uh there's one here which is one minute 25 seconds mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like you said it's it's nice um easy to digest stuff isn't it really yeah yeah you know you know because i know a lot of people think oh how long can't sit and watch that 10 minutes time you know one and a half minutes whatever um put it on have a look at it um do they do they sort of commentate as well do they talk over the videos or is it just like literally you know a shot yeah it's just looking at it and recreating i think there's like background music in in, going on um yeah you just find it's one of those where you find yourself I'll just watch one more and then I'll go on. I'll just watch another one. And before you know it, four or five you've watched. Mm. Mm, there's quite a lot, isn't there? Oh, yeah, there's, there's loads. I mean, there's Terminator. I say Big Trouble in Little China. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Goonies. There's loads. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've just subscribed. So there you go. Well done. Very good. More people subscribe. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, when you see when you see on YouTube some of the channels that have got like so many. We watched, just going off on a slight tangent, there was uh, just the other day there was the Mars launch. It was the Perseverance, um, the, you know, the buggy that they're sending up to Mars. Hmm. And we watched that because me and Tino, as you know, love that. And we went to the Kennedy Space Center a few years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, love that place. So we were watching it and it was the NASA YouTube channel that were broadcasting it. And you'd think there'd be millions of people watching. You know, it's a big deal for this going up to Mars and, you know, everything that they're going to do and leading to, you know, manned mission. Sorry, you can't say manned. People mission to Mars <laughs> in 2024, I think. So we were, like, glued to it. And I think the most viewers it had when we were watching, I think it got to 260,000. So, you know, just over a quarter of a million. Mm. And then we were talking about, we said... Say, for example, Kim Kardashian live-streamed on YouTube oh, God. having yeah. her latest Botox injection. There'd be millions of people watching it. And yet something as historic as this, an important, you know, it's such a big world event and, you know, the ramifications going forward for humanity are huge of what could happen. 260,000 at most. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, sad, isn't it? It's uh, it's just, I suppose, an indictment of today's culture, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. about celebrities and stuff. I mean, if you think about it, like going back years and years ago when space was still like, a, I suppose, a mystery for, you know, you'd have millions of people sat around the TV watching it, wouldn't oh, you? Yeah. you know? you would do, yeah. But I think it's just people are a bit blasé about it now, not asked and yeah, yeah. not going to bother. Oh, what was it? What was the last, um, the latest one that we watched? Um that it, Elon Musk's involved with all of it now, isn't he? And, oh, that uh, Falcon Heavy. That, that, oh, oh, that mm-hmm. was awesome. I loved that. Yeah, that was good. 
That was, very that was good. like, I love the little sort of timeline uh, that plays underneath everything that happens, you know, sort of so you know what's coming. And it was so tense. It was it was kind of like watching a movie, you know, watching it all play out. And then the camera cut out slightly, didn't it? Just as the the uh, the rocket was landing yeah, again. On, yeah. on, but which is a shame. But, you know, that's some amazing shit. That's incredible, you know. It is proper full on Thunderbirds every time yeah, with that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Ah, go on then. Oh, TV then, mate. Over to you. I unsurprisingly have no TV. Well, I'll leave the TV. I must admit, because that's my recommendation. Ooh, but okay. uh, the I'll do, I'll do some because we've been watching quite a lot of kids' movies, as okay. you can imagine, with varying degrees of um, quality, shall we say. Mm. There's a couple of reviews on the website which you know, you know people can read, but um, the, I suppose the ones that I'll, I'll I want to point out are. Um, Paddington 2, have you seen that? Oh, both Paddingtons, mate. Brilliant. Love them. Oh, yeah, they're so good. And um, it's like the voice casting of Paddington. I mean, Paddington is like the character itself. You know, I think the CG is awesome. I mean, you, you don't even think really that it's a, a CG character. It just looks so brilliant, you know, and brilliantly voiced by Ben Whishaw. Um, and it, I mean, it's that story, isn't it? It was originally... Um, What's his face? Mr. Darcy, who was cast as the, oh, God, the voice. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? I, I know. I can see his bloody face as well. This is where the listeners are, <laughs> are screaming at us once again. He was in Kingsman. Um, in, oh, God. Uh, fucking that bloke. That bloke. Him. <laughs> yeah. people. I'm sure people know who we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, it's like now, because, I mean, you know, he's kind of got, I suppose, a, a kind of, posh british twang which i suppose you could associate with paddington but mm. you know paddington himself he's quite a young character isn't he? he's like you know so you you wouldn't um you know having like i suppose because you know ben wishaw the difference between ben wishaw and that other fucker his name I that's the <laughs> bastard <laughs> yeah uh you know you kind of you can see where they were coming from because I suppose Colin Firth's a slightly bigger name, but it just wouldn't have worked. Do you know what I mean? I could yeah. I could imagine Colin Firth being almost like the dad in the family to a certain degree. Where, but saying that, you know, Hugh Bonneville uh, is it Hugh Bonneville? Is it? That's the dad. He, play, he was in Downton Abbey. Good doing well tonight, aren't I? Um, he's uh, you know he, he's great as the dad. I mean, the thing is, it's just a great cast. You know, the whole thing and the the thing with the second one, as I mentioned, like Hugh Grant, uh, he plays the the villain of the piece, and he's great in it. You know, he's just he has a lot of fun with the role. Um, you know, it's just it's really funny and entertaining. And we sat down together as a family, and we really enjoyed it. It was um, it was just fun and and entertaining and you know a great cast uh brendan gleason's in it as well um you know it, so that was that was one of the better ones that we watched um in terms of kids films i suppose keeping it in terms of animals on same track mm. um we also watched beethoven which um i haven't seen before i've seen bits of it but it was one of those that until i had children i was never really that interested in it yeah. uh, um but um, that was all right, actually. I quite liked that. And I think we, we all generally liked it. Um, you know, it, it's not a very long film. I think it's about an hour and a half, something like that. Uh, and also, you know, it's fun to see uh, a young St uh, Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt and David Duchovny pops up in it as well before, obviously, pre-X-Files. Yeah, yeah. 
but the one the one thing that stood out for me, which I thought was absolutely hilarious, was uh, Charles, and it was unintentionally funny. <laughs> Charles Grodin's in bed, um, and uh, his wife is he, brushing her teeth, but he thinks that his wife is actually in bed with him, but it's actually Beethoven. Um, and I mean. <laughs> How the fuck, he, you know, he would have not known it was actually his missus. Because uh, I'm sure that his missus's breath doesn't smell like a dog. And <laughs> his missus isn't as ha- hairy as um, as Beethoven. Um, uh, but he's, because he's sort of like, you know, Beethoven is like spooning him, cuddling him a little bit. And he goes... To, he says, "Oh, like you know, he, he thinks he's he's about to have sex, basically." But he, and he goes, "Oh, it's not even Saturday night." And then he says, "Has Daddy's little girl been naughty?" <laughs> 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 Which was absolutely creepy as fuck. Because in the film, he's got um, two daughters and a son, and you're thinking, "Oh my." God, you know, he's having some kind of weird sexual fantasy where it's just not about his kids, obviously, but, you know, just even, I don't know, that's, it's just, you you know, it's a a typical kind of 90s film. I can't imagine that they would say anything like that these days. You know what I mean? And it's funny how cinema's changed and, and films have changed in some ways that, you know, you can get away with a lot more these days, but at the same time, the the sort of 80s and 90s there was a lot of naivety about stuff as well and you could say things that you probably wouldn't say now if that makes sense it's it's some ways like i said cinema has changed it's become more more graphic and violent and uh you know there's there's different subjects but at the same time you've got to love that sort of almost sweet naivety that's so weird and creepy that somebody would say something like that in a kid's film you know what i mean um but no that was good fun um so yeah like i said because we've been watching quite a lot of kids films i mean we watched um spongebob uh movie sponge out of water oh god fuck me Kay and i wanted to fucking claw our faces off after about 20 minutes of that it was was it that bad see because the cartoon i remember watching the cartoon um I think, oh, God, going back, probably even before I had kids, so before 98, and enjoying yeah. SpongeBob the cartoon. I think it was brilliant. If, if if my memory serves me right, it could have been just after I had kids. Uh, but yeah. I remember really loving the cartoon. So is, is the movie itself just awful then? So it's one of the, I mean, this is the, I think this is the second SpongeBob film. And I'm, I'm a bit like you, because I'm, weirdly enough, I'm, I've just been, because there's a, um, a new SpongeBob game that's come out and I'm writing the review for it yeah. and I've just been finishing it off today. Um, and I kind of did a little bit of digging into SpongeBob, you know, because I didn't, obviously SpongeBob's been around since 1999, um, having read a bit of research. It's made, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read about $13 billion in merchandise, you oh. know, generated the billions of dollars of revenue in merchandise um there's been two movies um the first one had a cameo with david hasselhoff which i mean i've seen that a while ago and i thought that was okay i don't know what it was this just whether it just hit the wrong chord it was just i'm a bit like you 
I can watch the cartoons and the kids watch the cartoons and that's kind of what prompted us to watch the film because, yeah. you know, we'll, the kids, sometimes they sing the theme tune, which is quite cute and also a little bit irritating <laughs> when they keep doing it. <laughs> but um, I don't know what it was. It was just, it was like a drill in your brain. Um, and so the other thing as well, the other little fact that is that there's been 40 SpongeBob games as well, 40 video Whoa. games. Um, with Spongebob and that's not just the ones where he's appeared as a cameo as well or he's appeared in another game these are ones that are solely based on Spongebob uh, which is kind of crazy you know so um, but yeah so I just thought I'd mention that because obviously I do have kids and you know I'm I'm the the designated kid film reviewer so (laughs) and you've had to suffer mate with some of those that you've had to review (laughs) they've been all right i mean there's some you know you watch them and think oh god this is a bit ropey but then there's some that you watch and you you know you you are taken by surprise by them which is nice so you know and it's at the end of the day i was i've said this for many many years you know it is sometimes yes you do watch something that's a bit crap but at the same time um it's still a privilege to be able to to do that you know and so I can't complain too much, mm-hmm. but um, this one was on. Uh, I think it was on Sky Movies. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, it was. It's or it's on Amazon Prime. It's on one or the other. Um, but yeah, there you go. So um, I'll pass it back to you. I've got some more movies to talk about. Again, sort of a couple of new ones, a couple of old ones that I want to comment on. But mm-hmm. but yes, I'll pass it back to you. Uh, okay, documentaries. Then I have. Four documentaries. Ooh. The first a bit one, lights this month, I aren't know, you? As I said, this, this rewatch kick we've been on has really eaten into my documentary watching. I need to uh, up my documentary watching game for the next uh, next episode. But the first one was uh, recommended to me by Postman Gav on Twitter. Mm. Yeah, he tweeted and said, uh, it's called Mars Inside SpaceX. It's on Disney+. And it's only 40, I'm just looking now on IMDb, 46 minutes long. And, um, well, I've, I talked before, didn't I? <laughs> I just went off topic a little bit and talked about me and Tina watching the launch. This goes back to, um, it was made in 2018. And it's all the, the planning for everything and about, you know, the Falcon Heavy that we talked about and all, all the work that goes into it. And if again, if you're into space travel, it's it's a nice little 46-minute watch. Uh, nothing too heavy. Um, and it's just, it's one of those that, gripped me and Tina again we're watching it going oh my god this is so so amazing how we've gone from you know landing people on the moon and then the space race dropped off and now we're planning to put people on Mars um if you're into that which you should be really Mm. uh, this is good you know it's a nice little 46 minute documentary um it said it's on Disney plus these days like everywhere it's available I'm sure in Mm. different places there's some good stuff on there. We haven't watched it yet, but um, Kay eyed up uh, the there's a doc- documentary about the flight over the Hudson. Um, yeah, I was looking at that. It's on um, because that's it, a- it's split into different parts, isn't it? On Disney Plus, and there's the National Geographic part of it, isn't it? And you click on that, and there's like tons of documentaries. Yeah. Um, so, because she loves all that kind of stuff, she loves anything to do with space and anything to do with planes, mm. uh, which went really well with uh, one of our double dip picks um you know because she was kind of engrossed with that um but yeah so oh, i'll have to point her in the direction of this one because mm. uh, like i said i know she likes a lot so uh, disney plus you you know you associate it with obviously all the, the 
animated stuff and the Marvel movies. But there are there's also a lot of good you know good documentaries on there as well. Oh isn't yeah, there? there's loads. Like um, I think it was the last episode, the recommendation Jane that's on there, and that's yeah. like I said, you know, in the previous show, that's a brilliant documentary, well worth watching. So it's you know very regular. Have a look, see what's on there because you know they updated. It's it's new stuff going on that you can keep up to date with. Ah, let's have a look. What shall I do next? Let's have a talk about one that would interest you and everybody interested in retro video gaming. Ooh, go, go, go. Made in 2017. This is on Amazon. The Power of Glove. Can you guess guess what it's about? The the Power Glove? It's about the Power Glove. (laughs) Nintendo Power Glove. It's so interesting. I mean, of course, it adds another layer to it if you've got interest in, in video games and you know about the Power Glove. Um, but if you don't, it was in 1989, Nintendo um, Mania was massive. And toy maker um, Mattel, they um, they released the Power Glove, which didn't quite go as planned. The story of it, of how it came to fruition and then how it sort of crashed and burned... Um, how it was featured in a in a major movie, and how that movie crashed and burned, <laughs> and they talked to the people that develop it, and um, how it just transformed from just this concept idea into the finished glove. It's really interesting, mate. Like I said, if you know if you if you're not really bothered with video games and all of that, might not hold your attention too much. It's an hour and five minutes, and it's on Amazon, so. Easy, easy watch. Um, it's, yeah, I found it really interesting, mate. And it, it educated as well as entertained me, which was mm. always a good one. That sounds cool. I mean, Nintendo have d- done some weird shit over the years, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then some of it, you know, some of it doesn't pay off, but then some of it you almost think it's like kind of given them other ideas to do things that have then gone on to be successful. I mean, video game peripherals, there's a whole history of them that have been, mm-hmm. you know, half decent and then crap, um, you know. So, it, and the power gloves, one of those. And funnily enough, that that featured in Beethoven because I remember there was a scene in it where <laughs> they're playing on an, a NES and the boys got a, a power glove and and obviously the the movie you reference is The Wizard, isn't it? You know, the yeah, feature, yeah. feature. It's basically an advert for Nintendo, isn't it? It is. Um, but you know. The power glove. I must admit, it, it always looked cool, and I've seen videos <laughs> of it, and it's it's a, a bit like um, you can see a little bit, I suppose, of where the Wii moats yeah, came definitely. from. Definitely, yeah. Because you know, they, if I the, one of the videos I've watched, I think it was Angry Video Game Nerd, you know, and he put like you put sensors on the TV so that that would track where the glove was. You can kind of see. You know, and I'm maybe giving it too much credit here, but sort of like you know, <laughs> early VR type stuff or early motion yeah. controls. You know what I mean? It's like, so you know, it, it's got its place in history, isn't oh, it? Even yeah. It's a bit crap. Yeah, I mean, the people that were developing it, they were really flying by the seat of the pants. There's a great story of how one of the guys goes into this major meeting uh, and how. So the rug's pulled from underneath him during the meeting and he has to think on his feet and he comes back with this really quick answer. And then he's like really under intense pressure to do these changes in time to convince the people to then finance it going forward. There's some brilliant stories in it, mate. It's it's really interesting. It is good. Mm. Cool. Uh, two more to go. One, this one. <laughs> I've had this DVD 
on my shelves since 2006. Mm -hmm. I know there's a reason why how I know it's 2006. But anyway, 14 years it's been on my shelves. Bloody hell. And I've, I've looked at it so many times over the years. And I thought, oh, watch that. No, well, the reason, <laughs> reason why is you really had to be in the mood to watch this. It's um, a documentary from 2007. Uh, 2007. Ah, is it 2007? I'm just looking at IMDb. I've had, I'm sure I've had the DVD. I have had the DVD since 2006. Oh, it must have been 2000. Fucking hell, I'm doubting myself. It must have been 2008. The reason I know, I know I was doing my degree. And I did my degree from 2006 to 2009. And I could have sworn I got it in my first year. But because I've just brought it up on IMDb. And it says it was released in the UK February 2007. So obviously, hmm? it was 2007. All right. Anyway. I've had it on my well, shelf. Saying that, though, it wouldn't be the first time IMDb's been wrong. I mean, well, like, yeah. what is it, uh, you know, old samurai cop being exactly. dead. Yeah, true. So yeah. maybe You've I been am involved right. in gay porn. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm sticking to my guns then. 2006. Anyway, a long, a long, long time I've had it. Uh, it's called The Bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's a documentary about people committing suicide off the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And this filmmaker um, filmed more or less constantly there. And I think if memory serves me right, and from what I've just said about the year, maybe it doesn't, I think that there was 24 suicides uh, in this particular year. And he filmed 23 of them. Wow. Yeah. Now, obviously... What? Actually jumping off film the people doing it? Jumping off the bridge. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't sound great viewing, does it? That's the reason it's sat on my shelves, because I thought this is going to be so fucking depressing. But it's had amazing reviews. You know, it's what is it? It's a seven point two on IMDb. Um, I haven't got Letterbox brought up, but it's pretty high on there. And you know, top reviews about it. But do I really want to sit down and watch people chucking themselves off a bridge? <laughs> <laughs> now I bought I bought it because, like I said, I was doing my degree at the time, and it was something to do with it's part of it. What it. The, the, there wasn't a module about suicide. Don't, don't get me wrong about that. But it was to do, it was documentary filmmaking, and this was one that was talked about. And I thought, oh, I'll watch it. And they never did until a few weeks ago. And it is. It's a really good documentary. And, of course, the subject matter is suicide. Um, but they talk to the families of the people that took themselves off. Um, and it talks to people. A couple survived. They wanted to commit suicide and they took themselves off and they survived some horrendous injuries. Mm. Um, but they tell they, their story as well. They say why they did it, what led them to do that. Um, this Oh, this one lad, mate, he's there. And he says that he, he, he threw himself off the bridge. And the second he did it, he thought, I don't want to die. And oh, God. That's the first thing that went through his mind as soon as he chucked himself off the bridge. And it's like, oh, my God. So it tells you the stories. It tells you how it you know affects people that they left behind. Um why people did it again you really have got to be in the right frame of mind and you know probably love documentaries um and it's not something i don't know would you i wouldn't i hesitate to say you'd watch it for entertainment you don't watch people killing themselves for entertainment but there's a message there to be learned and it is uh it is educational and informative as opposed to gratuitous yeah gratuitous and entertaining it's it's mm. it, yeah it's it's that more than anything 
Um, What's um, you've got an aqueduct by you that? Yeah, uh, somebody threw themselves off there um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, because um, I, I, I'm sure you said before that you know that's sometimes a place that people go mm, and yeah, it is. It's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's a horrible, thing. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, sort of like you said, sort of subject matter. But I'm I'm guessing it's is it uplifting in some way as well. It is I mean, in a does way, it yeah, kind of yeah, strangely enough, because I did that's again the reason I put it off. It's going to be so depressing, but it's not. There were you know there is a message in there, and it you do come away from it almost feeling as though there's a weight off your shoulders and feeling better about yourself, feeling better about life, and and looking at things a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, it's it's a hesitant recommendation, <laughs> but it's there. I just want to make people aware that it is, you know, it's out there. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's one. But it's not my, rec- you know, my documentary recommendation of this episode. That goes mm-hmm. to um, Fabulous Films, very kindly. There's um, Isabel from Fabulous Films, who I swap emails with. Uh, and as we record... We're starting another giveaway from them. It's the 27-disc DVD box set of Quantum Leap next week. Fucking hell. Wow. And we give away the other week the 30-disc DVD box set of uh, Northern Exposure. We've given away box sets for the A-Team from them. Fabulous films have been really good to us. A lot of prizes given away. Um, Again, another reason to follow us on Twitter is because we give a shitload of stuff away. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, Isabel kindly... Because of everything that's going on, you know, we just we chat. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not all business. Um, really kindly just sent me some Blu-rays. We were talking about films. She said, oh, there you go, and sent me some Blu-rays. And one of the Blu-rays that she sent me was Dark Star, John Carpenter's first, well, it's his student film, um, a review on, on the website. There's a documentary on there. It's a two-hour documentary. It's called Let There Be Light, The Odyssey of Dark Star. And again, you know, it's available, I'm sure, in different places. It is brilliant. Uh, it's it's far better than the film, and I you know I love the film. It's a very cheap. It's a student film, so it's really really cheap. But this documentary about it is fascinating. It goes into so much detail of of how it all came together and the making of it. It's it's one of the best behind the scenes of a movie documentaries that I've seen. It's yeah, it's really really good. Um, mm. So would yeah support fabulous films by the Blu-ray of that it's uh, it's not expensive and it's a, it's an amazing extra on it and that's that's mm. my documentary recommendation. Is that I've never seen Dark Star and you know I'm a I like uh, you know I'm a big fan of John Carpenter movies um, but I've never actually seen that one but because I, I think probably because it was that his first film. Yeah, he did it as, as a student and then um, they filmed uh, some extra parts on it to get it released theatrically. Um, so that's added to the, the bit he did originally as his, his main student film. A lot of people, more people say it's a shit than anything. Right. I've talked to lots of people in the car, oh, God, that was awful. Tina didn't like it at all. Uh, it is an acquired taste. I remember growing up with it and watching it on, on video. Um, and it's got, and I'll well admit, as far as a film goes, it's not too entertaining it's got some good laughs in it but it's so cheap you've got to look at it as a student film Mm. and not as a john carpenter film Uh, and you look at it that way and it's fine you know if you're used to watching student films it's it's okay Uh, but this documentary makes you appreciate it even more it brings it more to life and then the stories behind it and and how hard it was to make it and the problems that they met 
and some of the little uh, techniques that they used to make it, it's really good. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, I think the best thing I can say about it is for a two-hour documentary, it went by really, really fast. Yeah. Is, there, is Does the film sort of feature like a, a bouncy ball It type does, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like an inflatable beach ball as an alien. <laughs> yeah, it really is an inflatable beach ball. Okay. That they've painted. And that's and that's the alien. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, everyone's got to start somewhere, I guess, haven't yeah, exactly, they? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's my documentaries. Shall I take over a little bit? Yeah, go for it, mate. So, um, I've mentioned it a few times now, but um, it's taken me a while to listen to it because I haven't been going out as much. Uh, plus, it's over 20 hours long. Um, and it's the um, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, which is on um, Audible. Uh, you obviously can buy the book as well if you want to. But the uh, the audio book is there's a, a couple of chapters which are narrated by schwarzenegger so you've got the, the first and the uh or the foreword and and the sort of like you know the um the the final chapter yeah. um and then you, Stephen lang does the rest of it uh and he does a, a decent job on it but you know it, it sort of it tracks schwarzenegger's life really from you know growing up in austria um having a brother who died um at an early age um tragically i think uh, and then uh you know talking about his mom and his dad and his dad being very strict and then he you know having this goal of wanting to uh, be a bodybuilder and you know then sort of wanting to go to america and you know he saw america as the, the land of opportunity and everything and uh, uh, and then uh you know just really how he's achieved his goals you know so it goes through the whole bodybuilding phase then it goes through the acting phase then it goes through his uh sort of like you know political career and, and all that kind of stuff and whatever you want to sort of throw at schwarzenegger about his acting his political beliefs or you know whatever you know some of the things he said about um you know women or um about you know that have offended uh, you know people or whatever when he was in office and and, and things that he, you know he's open about he admits that he's made mistakes I mean, god who hasn't but it's you, the one thing you can't question is his focus and his mentality and his uh you know his will to achieve what he wants to to what he wanted to do you know to become one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood, you know, a star in the movies where he started, you know, I think one of his first films was um, Hercules in New York. And, you know, I've watched that many, many years ago and it's daft, you know, um, and it just sort of like it, it, was, it was just it was really interesting hearing about some of the movies uh you know and, and like how twins is probably his most prof profitable film because he didn't get paid for it or negotiated a deal so that he wouldn't get paid to actually make the film he'd get paid a cut of the box office and so obviously then it went on to be one of the biggest you know box office hits of that year and then obviously then all the dvd and vhs and tv uh you know 
rights and everything that he then he still gets a cut of to this day. So that's probably you know because like you always think like like Terminator Two, you know, because at the time I think he was paid like twenty five million dollars or something like mm-hmm. that to to make that film. But you know, thinking that well, actually twins, and and as I mentioned in the last episode, I've ne- never seen, seen twins before up until listening to the audiobook. So and I've never seen Conan either, which Conan the Barbarian. I've oh. never seen it, so I've got that recorded to watch because um, hearing about the development of that film yeah. and you know directed by John Milius uh, and his relationship with Dino De Laurentiis uh, how when they first met they fell out you know because uh, like he, had, he says himself Arnold Schwarzenegger sometimes he says things that are a bit outrageous and a bit stupid um, so they ended up falling out and then you know the film didn't get made but then it was made and then it was this huge success and how it was going to be a series of films uh, but it ended the only um film after that was uh conan the destroyer with grace kelly and he's got some few funny anecdotes about grace kelly being basically mad as a box of frogs <laughs> um and uh, so no it's it's really good you know if you've got audible i mean if you've got a, a subscription with them I think it's like seven ninety nine. Uh, it's part of Amazon, and then you get a credit per month. You can, you can obviously buy the, the you know the book separately if you want to, but it, then you just use your credits. I'm currently listening to um, Roger Daltrey's book because um, I like the Who. Yeah. So you know um, that one's a bit shorter. It's about eight hours long, and that one's narrated by um, Roger Daltrey. So you know that's interesting. I've just started that one. So it's there's some good stuff on there as well, and because I'm. I'd love to say that I'm a I'm a big reader and I'd love to read more, but I just I I, I don't have the focus for it. If I pick a book, I can pick a magazine up and I can focus on that. You know, if I pick a book up, it takes me a while to focus on it and to get drawn into it. Mm-hmm. There there have been there has been a time where I've done that. Do you know what I mean? But that sometimes I just I, I don't know. I think we're in that kind of stage now with, with podcasts and you know with audio books being quite big. That that's that's that works for me. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Because you can get on and do other things while you're listening to it. Obviously, when you're reading a book, you can't drive your car or <laughs> mow the lawn or things like that, can you? Well, you could do, but you could try. Yeah, yeah. don't. Um, but yeah, <laughs> with podcasts and audiobooks and that, that you can carry on doing so much more um, and and still listen to them. Yeah. So then that then led on to wanting to watch True Lies because uh, he talks a little bit about True Lies um, and, you know, coming off the back of The Last Action Hero in 1983, uh, sorry, 1993, which was, you know, supposed to be a huge hit, but ended up still made money, but it wasn't as successful as I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's proper first flop, if you want to call it that in, in Hollywood. So, uh, you know, getting back on on the horse and then following it up with uh, True Lies, which I must admit, I haven't seen that for ages. And it's one of those that um, it's hard to get hold of. You know, uh, it's not available like in a lot of places. If you go to Amazon, you can't even buy it or rent it. You know, if you go to Amazon uh, Prime or whatever, it's it's just not there. Um, and then uh, I, th- I think it's not on the Virgin store as well because we've got Virgin Media. So it's uh, it basically it was just really difficult to get hold of. So uh, how's this? And I know that you're a big advocate of this anyway and, and sort of not necessarily... I mean, I think you slowly have because I remember 
a few years ago, you wouldn't even embrace Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. you, you have come a long way since then. Um, but so but it kind of, you know, this digital future, if you want to call it that, it, this film is just not available to get digitally in this country for some reason. So um, I actually bought the DVD from Amazon, you know, for a fiver. Um, and even then, I don't think it's available on Blu-ray in this country. I don't know if there is a, a Blu-ray version coming out. But having not seen this film for many, many years, I, I remember I saw it at the cinema in 1994, saw it twice, saw it on my own, and then loved it so much that um, I went with my mom to watch it, you know, because I used, I used to get to the cinema a lot with my mom. Um, and... Um, it's still as great, you know, it, I don't think it's aged badly at all. I think it look, you know, because there's a lot of practical effects in there. There's a lot of practical stunt work. The one thing I suppose you can nitpick at it is that you can clearly see Harney's stunt double, you know, a yeah, lot yeah. in some of the scenes. Um, but it's still a funny, exciting film. Jamie Lee Curtis is absolutely brilliant in it. You know, it's just... Uh, it's great. It's it's just it's a funny, you know. Tom Arnold's really good in it, as I suppose the sort of comedy sidekick. But you know, like I said, you, you sometimes people say, "Oh, well, Arnie's a bit like Sly, isn't he?" You know, he's just a, a stupid, dumb action hero, or whatever. But there's so much more to them. Like this sort of like you know the 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 uh, comedic timing with Arnie as well in this. You know, it's I, I, have you seen True Lies in a while or? It's you know, oh God, it's been. I don't know, 10 years since I've watched it? Must be. Must be at least 10 years. Yeah. No, it's it's a cracking film. It really is. So uh, I just thought I'd mention that. And another, again, I mean, God, it's from um, 1966, but it's the first watch for me. And it's on the back of the Clint cast. Uh, I, um, as I've said, I would, you know, following on with you guys, uh, you and Ben, and I watched The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Uh, uh, and... Uh, again, you know, as I mentioned in the last couple of shows, um, with um, a few for a few dollars more, more and oh, what was the other one? Just Fistful of me. dollars. Fistful of dollars. Yeah, you know, westerns aren't really a genre that I've ever been particularly into. So this is really good for me uh, seeing these films and seeing, uh, you know, Clint's sort of like first films, if you want to call it that. And I loved it. I thought it was great, and it, it's just. You know, because you see so many films, like, say, with Back to the Future Part 3, you know, or other films where these movies have been, you know, um, referenced or emulated or, you know, kind of there's homage paid to them. It's now, it's really interesting for me to actually watch the original film to see where a lot of these influences of it's how, how it's influenced other movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, particularly like with... Um, um, Back to the Future Three, you know, there's the whole scene in that, isn't it, where he, he, he well, he calls himself Clint Eastwood, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? Uh, and then he, he he's uh, it's the whole trick where he wears like um, uh, some body armor, doesn't he? You know, yeah, where he's having yeah. the All gun fight with, that, with, yeah. you know. So it's and it was really good. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the score is iconic, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's the, the score. I mean, you know, with um, uh, Ennio, um, is it Morricone? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just recently passing away, you know, uh, it's just it, it's such an amazing. I mean, the whole the three of them, to be fair, and again, the second uh, the second film for a few dollars more. This the sort of music in that I didn't realise was from 
that I'd heard it before, but I didn't realize it was from that film. You know, the sort of the whole music box sort of theme. Um, and it, I, I would say that's probably my favorite out of the three. Me too. Um, I love the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's a weird one as well because when I was watching it, I'd kind of, I must have watched it many, many years ago when I was a kid because there are so many different scenes in it that I can vividly remember, such <laughs> as the scene where, you know, he's got a partner and they've got this scam going on where he'll shoot the rope. Um, you know, the scene where they go to where the battle's taking place and, yeah. you know, you've got that sergeant who kind of goes out on, on uh, you know, a suicide mission almost and then they blow up the bridge. I remember all of that. And I remember, you know, the scene where at the end, so I must have seen it but I just couldn't remember it at all until I'd watched it. It's almost like a repressed memory for some reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and also obviously doing the Metallica um, podcast with Alan and hearing the ecstasy of gold yeah, and, yeah. and seeing that scene, you know, um, where he's running around the graveyard like an, a maniac trying to find the grave. You know, that just, that meant, because it, it's all this sort of like, do-do-do. Do, do, do. That everyone remembers that bit, mm. but that's sort of like seeing or hearing, you know, the ecstasy of gold as well was all like chills. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It was I that bet it tied kind of, a lot together for you watching that. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought I'd, I wanted to mention that because um, I know a lot of people have seen them and they are classic films. That trilogy, it's uh, I can see why they are as highly sort of regarded as as they are. Um, but I, I, you know. It, for me, it was just like being a brand new watch, and uh, I think I think you've said it before, isn't it? You sort of like you know you, you almost envy people because you you've watched them many many times, mm-hmm. but you know ha- imagine sort of seeing it as I have for the first time, you know, and it's it's a it was a really sort of thrilling moment, you know what I mean? Sort of seeing those films together. Oh, um, you've enjoyed that, mate. I really am. It, yeah, it's it's good because like you know, I I knew from talking to you before, you know, westerns are not your genre. Um, so the fact that you've you've gone and watched them and enjoyed them is is brilliant. And I do, while we're on the subject of the good, the bad, and the ugly, I just want to reassure listeners that listen to the Clinkcast part two of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Don't worry, it's it's all all being put together. You're not going to wait too long for it. It's in the pipeline, so it will it will be coming out. Don't worry about mm. that. And they are, I mean, they're, again, they're great shows because they are really informative. Obviously, you know, you do your research, you know, you learn things about those films that, you know, are just kind of mind-blowing, really, about the actors, the way it was made, uh, you know, the development, everything about, you know, it's just, yeah, they're, they're awesome, awesome shows. Mm, that's that's why they take a while to, <laughs> to put yeah. together. But it's, it's, it's interesting for me, though, because every episode we've done, I've learned stuff, and these are films I've watched. Um, probably in the case of the of the um, Dollars trilogy, but into hundreds of times. I watched them so many times with my dad, and so many times for years afterwards. Um, and then do the research for the Clint cast and go, oh, I never knew that, and I never knew that. So mm. it makes it interesting putting the show together too. Yeah, and it's like video games. You know, sometimes they get delayed or whatever. You know, and even though you're excited for them, you're disappointed. But you'd rather that they be right you know yeah. <laughs> than, than just rushed out yeah. so well, you we've know, had take... we've had no corrections yet so yeah i'm sure there will be at some point but i think everything that we've put out so far has been quite factual yeah. and, we've, and we haven't done any cock-ups yet very good uh i've got one more movie actually have you got much many um more? two two movies go on then you go 
Uh, okay, I will just do uh, a quick 180 when you were talking about True Lies and you said uh, about how it was obvious in a few of the scenes about his, his stuntman, his stunt double, yeah. um, who was Peter Kent. And yes, who, you've interviewed him, haven't you? We did. Me and Tom interviewed him for his Picture House. So that will be um, an, a Decade of Decadence remastered interview that will be coming out at some point. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought I'd put that out. Anybody's interesting. We had a great chat with Peter Kent. Um, I yeah. think we do talk about True Lies in that, if I remember rightly. So, yeah. Awesome. Mm, that'll be coming out. Uh, two films. Actually, before I get on to the two films, and I wasn't going to do this, I was not going to do it, but vegan alert. Whee! It's back, mate. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I thought oh, I've done God. it the last two, last two entertainment shows, and I, I didn't... No, no pun intended. I didn't want to flog a dead horse with it, <laughs> which would upset a lot of vegans. But there's been two, mate, that I've seen <laughs> recently that I've got to chat about with you. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Vegan alert. <laughs> and I've got to try and pronounce this now. <laughs> La, La Comédie Française ou l'amour joue. Um, as you could probably guess, French film. So, the, the alert in this one is featured meat grilling in the cafeteria. F uh -huh. Fair enough. Fair enough. That could, you know, could offend vegans. But the sentence continues. As well as pastries that were sure to contain milk and eggs. Oh. Now, hang on a minute. We've taken the piss in the last couple of shows because... Some of these alerts have just been ridiculous. And they've gone from being like the beginning of this, featured meat grilling. Okay, I'm fine with that. But we've taken the piss about some which referenced things and go, oh, okay, that's pushing it a bit. But when you go now to pure speculation, speculation yeah, is another step into ridiculousness as far as I'm concerned. It would be... Um, it would be like, I don't know, you're watching Brokeback Mountain and then you go, oh, I'm sure somebody on the other side of that mountain was eat, eating a bacon butty. You know, it's like, what? You don't know that. Why are you now getting just into pure speculation about what's happening in these films? It is just stupid. It made me think that we should have a carnivore alert and then it, if we're watching... Oh, Bridget Jones's diary, and then oh, Bridget orders a salad. It's like okay, well, where's the fucking steak? It's like carnivore alert. Oh, yeah. Ordered a salad. It's oh, and then do you go into speculation with that? It is just that. That was a silly one. She's letting herself slip with that one, isn't oh, she? Oh, mate, I tell you. Um, and the other one, vegan alert. We should point out now that what the vegan alert, all the sound effects Chris can hear. <laughs> As I say, hearing that live is amazing. <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, mind of a monster. Oh, yeah. I saw, I'm looking through because I'm looking through a list now and I saw that one. I was, I was oh, I have a click on that one. Yeah. Go on. Um, the, the body parts of his victims were sometimes cut into squares. Like hamburger patties. She's she's not bothered that he killed and cut up people. 
the thing that's offending her is that they were cut into squares, like hamburger patties. So my, my thinking was, well, would she then, would it, would it not be a vegan alert? If instead, if instead of squares, she cut them into Mickey Mouse shape or something, is it? It's the fact that she's got offended that they're cut into squares like hamburger patties, and not that he's cutting up human beings. Hang on, uh, hamburger patties are usually round anyway, aren't they? Not squares. Yeah. yeah, must be in America. They must uh. be into their square patties. <laughs> Oh, well, she sounds like she's a bit militant as well, but by the looks of this, because I've just cl clicked on the Bonnie and Clyde uh, review, which she gives five stars and there's no vegan alerts in it. <laughs> you said it, mate. It's it's like fucking Cracker Jack. If you say it, it's, it's going. I was going to say, is every time I say vegan alert, it's going <laughs> to... I'm going to have so much fun with this. Anyway, the, the so she basically, she's just written, the moral of the story is all cops are bastards. <laughs> so nothing about the two murderers, you no, know, and no. going around killing people, you know. That's fine. It's crazy, mate. It's, um, yeah, like I said, I wasn't going to do it, but I, I couldn't resist those two. So it all depends on... <laughs> what films that she watches and reviews and uh, before the next time that we record. Wow. She's becoming, I mean, I don't know, is she becoming a bit of a personality with all this or unintentionally, you know? Yeah, maybe so. Because when I typed in vegan alert, I mean, I said it before, <laughs> you know. I said you be careful what you say, mate. Oh, God. So even when I typed those, those two words, words in, Yes. The first thing that pops up on a Reddit thing is I've never hated anyone more than this letterboxed reviewer, um, which then obviously leads you into this, you know, mine of, um, of uh, you know, this this stuff. I'm not going to say it. I'm trying not to say it now. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's the two for this, for this episode. Very good. Mm. Um, <laughs> I will move on. The two films. Uh, the first one. Uh, is on Netflix and it's called uh, The Days of the Bagnold Summer. And okay. It's basically, it's a two-hander. It's about a mother, single mother uh, and her teenage son. Um, and her teenage son is your typical stroppy teenage lad. Uh, he should have been going to Florida to visit his dad. His dad, who's now got this young girlfriend over in Florida, um, but his dad lets him down again. It's a history of his dad letting him down. So he then has to spend the, the summer with his mum, who works as a, a librarian. Um, and this lad uh, is, into, is into his heavy metal. He wants to be the vocalist for a band. That's what he wants to do. Um, he spends his time listening to Metallica. Um, Ooh, mm. good, good man. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, though. The performances from the two lead actors are, are brilliant. Um, and it's another one of those little slice of life films where nothing too much happens, but you can relate to every single minute that they go through. Um, and me and Tina are sat there like captivated by it. It's, it's really good. Again, it's one of those where I can see people watching it and thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, that was boring. Mm. Because, you know, there's no action scenes and car chases and or special effects it's it's a human story of a struggling single mom and her stroppy teenage lad 
uh, and it's 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 just I think a one word review would be wonderful. It, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those films. Um, some good supporting cast. Alice Lowe is one of the supporting actors in it. Uh, Rob Brydon, who I always like watching. Uh, but for the two main actors, it, it is the whole the whole of the movie rests on them, and they do a great job. Uh, yeah, as I say, just looking at uh, Tamsin, is it Greg? Greg? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we, we like her from Friday Night Dinner, don't we? So. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. And Black Box. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and then the second one, which, of course, is my movie recommendation. Uh, this Ooh. is on Amazon. I feel like we should have like a sort of like a drum rolly type sound you know, effect. Maybe that's something you could work in. I did have one on here. Um, yeah, but I took it off to put some other ones on. The, the vegan alerting. Damn it, I'd move my hand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when was I now? Yes. Um it's it's a sequel. No, it's not a sequel, it's a follow-on. I did talk about, I think, oh god, a couple of years ago in an entertainment show, I talked about um a Norwegian film called The Wave, which was brilliant uh, and if you haven't seen it there's another recommendation this carries on the story of the family that was in the wave uh, and again it's, it's another norwegian film it's set in norway uh, it's in norwegian uh, with subtitles and it's called the quake uh, yeah and you think oh, i made this family's cursed after going through this big wave that, that happens in the first film and now they've got to put up with an earthquake it's because we've been going through a rewatch season of disaster films, uh, and, and one of the films that we watched just the other night was Earthquake, it's incomparable between between the two. Earthquake is so cheesy and, and overly dramatic and enjoyable, whereas The Quake and The Wave, the, the Norwegians and a, and a lot of the European filmmakers have got the knack for really nailing characters that you care for and are not all fluffy it's not a lot of the american films and i know i'm generalizing but a lot of the american especially from the hollywood system are all about the effects and you know raising the drama of it and everything whereas the europeans seem to play all of that down and concentrate on the characters in it so then you really empathize with them more and you feel more connected to them and everything that they're going through so when this earthquake hits and the effects considering it's not you know a huge budget film are good but it's not all about the effects because you really care for these characters especially if you've previously watched the wave and you've got their story carrying on into this and there's some nail biting scenes in it but this you've again you go, mm, it's a little bit unbelievable what happens, but fuck me, you're like chewing your nails in parts, going, oh my God, oh my God. A great double bill. If you've never seen The Wave, watch that and then watch The Quake. Uh, and if you have seen The Wave, well then make sure you do watch The Quake as well and, and carry on this story of, of, of this family. Really, really good um, films, which I'll watch quite a few times, definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I- I'll check those out because uh, Kay likes a good disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she liked. I think, um, I think the Wave is still on Amazon as well. So watch that one first. Oh yeah, uh, you know, like you've mentioned, this, I suppose the bigger bombastic ones like Twenty Twelve and mm. um, the Core uh, is one that we want. Now I've I've got a soft spot for the Core purely because it is it is so 
stupid. They they ramp up the stupidity to such a level that you just go with it. Um, but some of the other ones, I mean, we watched um, San Andreas was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, we got we gone through like low. There's so many disaster films um, out there. There's one oh, I never, don't think I've seen it before. Um, Hindenburg. I haven't I haven't okay. watched that one yet. Um, there's quite a few. I, you know, you could go on forever watching disaster films. Uh, I think we've watched probably into about a dozen or so now, and, and more than that still to go. But I, I love, especially love the disaster films from the seventies. But again, when you can c- compare them to the wave and the quake, the, you know, it's like chalk and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, because the core, that's got Hillary Swank is, it in it, has. isn't it? Yeah. And, and uh, funnily enough, like, um, as I mentioned, the Karate Kid uh, part two, we were talking about the, the franchise in general because she's in the next Karate Kid. And I was uh, record, sort of like remembering the time where I was in the cinema and I saw the poster for the next Karate Kid, which I've never seen because it just never appealed to me. But and seeing the, the you know, the sort of poster with her on it and seeing the name and probably having a good, a good old titter. <laughs> at it. Hillary Swank. And it's like, it's one of those. I can't say just I can't just say Hillary Swank. I have to say Hillary Swank. <laughs> just <laughs> I have to emphasize the wank yes. part of it. Because <laughs> I'm a child, you know, That's it. It's fun. and there's nothing wrong with that. Her name should always raise a giggle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, cool. So that's it. I, that's it for my film, movies, mate. Yeah, go for fil- it. Yeah, film and TV show. So the film uh, you mentioned this uh, probably ages ago now. It seems like, but um, uh, we sat down and watched it because uh, I, I remember you saying it was good. And it's it's like it's an hour and a half. <laughs> you don't get films on for oh, an hour God, and a half these yeah. days. Um, it's called It's Good Boys from 2019. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, really, really liked it. It's a story about these three sixth grade kids. I don't know how old they are supposed to be in sixth sixth uh, grade. I'm eleven. Sure. Eleven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the sort of at that on the cusp of the you know developing their you know kind of curiosity about the opposite sex and uh, you know masturbating. Uh, I think I was probably eleven when I developed that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I discovered that that amazing thing under the covers a with hobby a tor- that suddenly appears with a torch with the, with <laughs> the case catalogue under the floodlights <laughs> uh, and, and it, there's a scene in it where it's right at the start where you know the, the kid is playing a video game and he's creating a character and he creates a character with massive boobs and he's sort of like you know he you know he's looking around thinking oh, i want to knock one out now but you know then he creates <laughs> He sort of puts together this elaborate kind of warning where he, you know, it's he ties something to the door. Then his dad bursts in, and as parents do, because I, you know, as my eight-year-old, you know, she thinks she's the smartest fucker on the planet. <laughs> but you, you know, as a parent, you can clearly see what they're doing or yeah. trying to do. You know, you see right through. They think, "Oh, I'm so smart," <laughs> and actually, that you no, know, no, you're really not. But, you know, and his dad realises what's going on. And he, the thing he says, it is brilliant. It's true. He says, you know, this is the probably the best toy you're ever going to have. And all you want to do is you just want to play with it and play with it. And it's it never gets old. It never stops being fun. And it's fucking true. Do you know what I mean? It's just anyway. So, but no, you know what? We, we really laughed out loud in oh, places. Good. 
it's it's so funny in bits you know the the thing is as well it's one of those that you, you can have you seen you've seen super bad uh, i don't think you like super i didn't like it mate it was one of those films it was one of the the few films i turned off oh really yeah, wow yeah. see i didn't mind super bad i quite liked it but it, it was it's a kind of a bit like that in as much as they're really sort of foul-mouthed and you know they swear but it, the difference between this and super bad is that the, the the sort of I suppose the innocence aspect of it mm. you know that they're still very young kids they're still you know and they, they I guess you know whereas when you and I were kids you know we discovered things from from talking to people from finding a dirty magazine in a in a, <laughs> uh, a hedge yeah you know you know or you know just kind of discovering things but, but now like with the internet there's there's a scene where you know they they, they want to learn how to kiss a girl so they go into the internet but then you know there's there's um, in the search bar they go straight to porn and there's this whole scene playing about <laughs> and it's so funny because it's like you know obviously it's porn isn't it you know and he says one of the kids says something well you know he wasn't even doing it right he was licking her asshole or something <laughs> <laughs> oh we I mean we were we were laughing out loud so it's so funny and but it's very sweet as well you know it's yeah. it's one of the, one of those where it doesn't just take the piss out of the kids because they're swearing a lot, you know, or, it, it, you know, they're, they're sort of laughing at their at them and their naivety. It's there's a nice th- sort of theme about friendship and about, you know, tipping over from being childhood friends and thinking you're, you're going to be friends forever to sort of then go in your separate ways and everything. Um, I loved it. It kind of reminded me, and you you put me onto this, an animated um, show uh, called Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. It kind of yeah. reminded me of like a live action version of that in some ways um, because that's a bit similar in as well, you know, they're sort of like, where, but that's obviously a bit more over the top because they've got like little devils that pop out and sort of, you know, say, oh yeah, go on, have a wank or whatever. <laughs> Whereas this is kind of like, you know, it, it's like a bit like that, but without the sort of the craziness, you know. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Really funny. Really good. Uh, so I'd recommend that one highly. That's probably my film, one of my film recommend. Oh, excuse me. One of my film recommendations. The, the thing that I want to talk about probably more than anything else, and this is the recommendation I've got, is um, Brooklyn 99 or 99. Have you seen this at all? No, no, I haven't. You ever watched it? So this is a TV show um, starring um, Andy Samberg, uh, Terry Crews, to name a few, uh, Andre, Andre Brower, uh, who I love fr- from um, Homicide, Life on the Street. And it's a 20, 22-minute show uh it's been going for a few years now i think there's like six series and Kay and i have because we finished bosch we we finished watching bosch uh we finished watching killing eve so we're sort of like looking for a you know a new box set or or series to get our teeth into we started watching jack ryan and um Kay kind of checked out i mean i liked it and i think i want to carry on with it because i I, you know i thought it was very good from what i saw but Kay just said and it's not really my kind of thing you know it's my cup of tea so um we wanted to watch something that we thought we might both enjoy so you know brooklyn 99 has been around since 2013 so it's it's not a new thing but it's one i've, I've always sort of seen on the tv and you know heard bits and pieces of heard yeah. it was going to be cancelled at one point but then it was picked up and it, they're all on netflix 
and it's it's a side cop show, you know, set in a precinct, and um, you've got this kind of ensemble cast of characters, and it's really funny, and you know the the writing in it is really sharp. Uh, you've got these different characters, like um, Andy Sambo plays a character called Jake Peralta, and he's kind of like this hotshot detective who's, you know. A, a bit daft as well um and then you know it's about his relationship with his uh, one of the other detectives a female detective and then it kind of as the show goes on you know into series two and three there's their will they won't they kind of stuff go, going on and then there's there's all there's because there's there's all um there's lots of different characters you they all feel like they're part of it and they they'll feel like they're kind of they have their own part to play however major or minor it is you know yeah. and they just kind of add and it, it's one of those where the writing is, is really sharp and although you may not necessarily laugh out loud you know say one episode you know you'll 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 laugh or you'll smile but then some of the episodes you'll just you know you will have a belly laugh at, at mm-hmm. some of the stuff that goes you know and it, it is daft in places the this, the show it's there it's structured as well and this is what i really like about it because it could just be a daft comedy show, you know, kind of, and it doesn't necessarily always just take the piss out of um, the police or whatever. It's sort of, it's a bit broader than that. You know, it kind of t- takes the piss out of the characters uh, as well as other things that are going on. But what I like about it is that there's always three parts. Generally, you've got sort of like the, the, the you know, the start is about what the show is going to be about or that particular episode, you know, whether it's an investigation, whether it's something that they're doing, whether it's something that's going on and then something goes wrong. Uh, and then, you know, it's about them trying to sort of figure out how they do it, how they fix it or whatever. And so as well as the comedy aspect of it, you've got this really nice dynamic of, uh, I hate to say like, like say like you know he-man back in the day the cartoon well yeah. the yeah. moral of the story yeah. is this yeah. it doesn't do it in such a you know kind of blunt way as that it, but it does it in a really nice way where you find yourself getting really warmed and endeared you know endeared to the characters um and yeah i mean like i said over the past i think there's 20 there's like 25 26 episodes a series and Kay and I have what we're on series three now within the space of what probably two weeks or wow. th- maybe two three weeks so you know we, it's one of those where usually what we'll do is when we put the kids to bed we'll say should we watch a couple of episodes of Brooklyn 99 and then it tends tend to turn into like three four you know what I mean yeah. so it's one of those yeah. that you can literally binge watch it you know what I mean and but because you know if you're short for time it's because it's 20 minutes long it's a bit like um different in terms of its theme but it's a bit like the good place do you know what i mean you can kind of watch watch an episode and it's on for 20 minutes you know it's and it's a bit like that in as much as the similar i I don't even know if the writers. there's some similar you know there's some writers that have i'll have to look into that because if if it is then that makes a lot of sense because like i said with the good place it has funny moments in it and it has daft moments in it but Mm. it has nice moments where again the characters kind of you know you learn to love them you know and and then they learn you know they you see them developing um so yeah i think it's great it's it's like i said we've just been absolutely going crazy with it so yeah it's always good as well to have one of those series like you said that's you know 22 minutes normally aren't they something like that me and tina have 
or for a while now, I've always had a series like that on the go that's 20-odd minutes that you can just put on, watch one episode, and like you said, normally leads to two, three, four. Uh, we're going through a series at the moment. I'm not going to say what it is because I think we're... Oh, we've got one episode left, series three, and there's a few more series. Um, but I'll definitely be talking about it in a future show. But it's, okay. it, yeah, it's good It's good to have those shows, that 20-odd-minute one where sometimes we'll go, you know, a film will finish at night and... Oh, I'm not going to go to bed yet. And 20 minutes, oh, let's watch one more episode of that. You know, it's, it's always there that you can dip into. And like you said about the characters as well, it's always good when you, you sort of connect with characters and you you see their journey that you follow then through the seasons and everything. It's Yeah, it's good, even though, you know, it's me talking about television. Jesus Christ, what's going I, on? I, I know. You, you've come such a long way. I mean, you'll be listening to Metallica before you know it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Step Probably one not. was I got streaming services. Step two, I've started watching a little bit of television. Then that's it. The final step into insanity is I start listening to Metallica. Mm. <laughs> but um, I'll just tell a quick look whilst you were talking. That One of the writers and creators of Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, is a chap called Michael Shaw. Sure. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's spelt uh, S-C-H-U-R. Mm. And he is a writer, and uh, he was one of the writers on The Good Place. Oh, wow. Also, Parks and Recreation um, and The Office, The American Office. So there you go. I was right. You were right. Because, you know, you can clearly see that that they have got similar themes. So that's awesome. I like that. There you go. That's good. Oh, nice one then, mate. There you are. Is that it then? That's it for me, yes. Are we going to go into the murky waters of the double dip next? Oh, yes. This will be fun. (laughs) It will will be. Okay, then uh, we'll disappear for a couple of minutes and we shall be back with uh, this episode's double dip. And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. You guys seem to know each other. We have a boy at home. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you ready for boarding, guys? Uh, We were born ready. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, your captain. I'd like to wish you a nice day and thank you for your trust in us. So, guys. European 162, what's your emergency? We have a 7500. Open the door! Several men attacked our cockpit. We stopped them from now. The captain is injured. Status of the crew, I don't know. They have a hostage. They're going to kill him if I don't open the door. You want other guys to die? Don't stop, please. I can't open the door. Let her go. Please, please, I beg, please. Together you can beat them. Okay, you're gonna be alright. European 162, what's the status? Wow, there you go. That was the trailer for seventy five hundred, is it? Is that yeah, how you'd say? That's how I'd say. I don't think anybody would call it. Let's go and watch seven thousand five hundred. <laughs> 
<laughs> you never know. Um, so this is our double dip section. And uh, for people who haven't listened to the show before, this is where Dave and I, we pick a film that we've never watched. Mm. And so Dave will recommend something and so will I. And this was your recommendation, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah. Why did you recommend this, just out of interest? Uh, three words. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ooh. Is that because of your rewatch of um, The Dark Knight Rises? or No, I just really like him as an actor. And off the top of my head, I can't think of any film with him in that I've not enjoyed. I, I just okay. really love watching him. And, and for me, um, is is a sign of quality. I honestly cannot think, oh, God, that was a shit film he was in. I mean, mm. he probably has been in some. You know, the law of averages dictates he probably has, but nothing jumps to mind. I think he's, I think he's a great actor. I think he's got one of those. He's got that, that X factor, that watchability that he, on screen. Um, I find him very likable as well, no matter what character he's playing. And I always find him very believable. And say, bottom line is, up to now, I've always enjoyed every film that he's been in. So as soon as I saw his name. I thought, well, I haven't seen that. He's in it. That's that's the one I'm going to pick. Mm. Uh, there you go. Well, we'll find out in a minute or two whether or not it's uh, it's still the same, mm. and or, or you know he's let you down. But yes. uh, so we we both picked uh, recent films. So this is from 2019. It's on Amazon Prime. I don't know. Did, has it had? I mean, wouldn't necessarily have had a theatrical release at the moment, but has it had any kind of theatrical release? I know it got reviewed in Empire, so makes you think, or is because I know that Amazon and Netflix they are releasing films so that are exclusive to that platform. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think it's had a um, theatrical release not, at all. Not, not that I know of. As far as I know, it's just exclusive to Amazon. Yeah. Um, it's got a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb out of 12,254 votes at the moment. Um, uh, on Metacritic, it's got a score of 58 uh, out of 23 um, critical reviews. Um, the little uh, synopsis on IMDb is... When terrorists try to seize control of a Berlin-Paris flight, a soft-spoken young American co-pilot struggles to save the lives of the passengers and crew while forging a surprising connection with one of the hijackers. There you go. Um, on Metacritic then, so if I have a quick look at this, so like I said, I'll, I'll pick one of the top ones. So this is Empire Magazine. I've, I mentioned them, so I'll read out theirs. Uh, it's saying, it says here, it's a potentially mid-90s B-movie premise, but director Patrick Volrath and star Joseph Gordon-Levitt keep it taut, tense and classy. Just a shame it doesn't stick the landing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll take uh, one of the mid ones. Uh, Rolling Stone, your chances for enjoying this will depend on giving up a search for depth and just strapping in for a B-movie hell ride. Okay, and then the one of the crapper ones is The Guardian. Uh, for fans of joyless screaming and stabbing, <laughs> there might be something here worth your time. But for those who expect more thrills from their thrillers, or at least something close to a purpose, 7500 is a flight worth missing. Wow. Bit, a bit harsh. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah. We are going to go, I suppose, into some spoilers with this. Yeah. Um, it's an hour and 33 minutes, so it's, again, a fairly short film. Um, what did you think of it? I absolutely 
loved it. I thought it, I thought it was great. Uh, again, the 93 minutes flew by. When you think 99% of the film is set in the cockpit of a plane with one or two characters in, a lot of the time, just one, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and you think, that's most of the running time. What what can you do with that? Again, I think it's testament to him as an actor and his watchability that I was glued to the screen. Uh, I will say before I forget that the five one sound mix on it was amazing. Mm. Um, when even to, from the beginning, when the plane's taking off, we both me and Tina commented, "It's it just sounds like you are in a plane taking off," and then when it all kicks off. Uh, which we'll get to, and um, this hijacker's on the plane, and they're banging on the cockpit door. So the way that the shot is framed, so you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, just left of centre of the screen. So in the world, uh, you know, of, of the, the scene that's going on, the cockpit door is, because I say it's um, on the right of the couch, is the, the right rear speaker is behind me, and that's where the cockpit door is. So that for, there was a scene for about, I don't know, like three or four minutes where this banging was just coming from this one rear speaker. And of course, we'd sit and watch it on the TV and all the lights were out. And it did end up as though we were in the cockpit with him, mm. with with everything that was going on, how intense it is, the things that happen in it, and the great sound mix that's in it as well, was really drawing us into it. And it was like, fuck me, this is a, this is a bit tense. Uh, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope. It's going to come out on Blu-ray so I can have my physical copy of it. Because this is one that, you know, I'll watch a few times and I want in my collection. I hope it's not just going to stay digital um, and, and they release it. I don't know how that's going to work with Netflix films and Amazon films going forward. I've got no idea. Uh, fingers crossed, you, you know, physical discs, some commentary maybe, extra features. But even if it's film only, I'd, I'd buy it, mate, which is probably given away. <laughs> already if i enjoyed it or not because i did a lot yeah i think it may do i mean um because like the watchman tv show that was on sky and i think that's a hbo show and so i think that's getting like a physical release so possibly oh. you never know yeah. um i think it'd be a, and i mean i know that they're doing this obviously because they want people to come to their you know subscribe yeah. to them don't they yeah get the exclusives but, so but you know it could be a potential another another revenue stream for them you'd have thought mm, yeah. but i don't know um so i watched this with Kay, and Kay, like i mentioned is very interested in um in space in planes I and mean, she absolutely adored sully i mean see you know watching that she yeah. thought it was gripping you know she loved it um and so you know, the, the sort of first 15 minutes of the film, you know, it's kind of like, you know, setting up the, the plane taking off and everything else. And see, like you said, the, the film is pretty, it's shot in the cockpit, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, and it is very claustrophobic. You yeah. know, I didn't realise how claustrophobic I felt until I was sort of getting into the film. But just seeing the sort of like the inner workings of a cockpit was really interesting and, and, and everything. Well, this, um, is, this is something, mate, just while you're talking about that, is that... I, I, probably mentioned it in earlier shows but going back to the 70s when my mum and dad used to take me abroad one of the big things of the holiday as a kid was being taken into the cockpit and i vividly yeah. remember many times being taken into the cockpit 
mid-flight, and it was that was one of my favourite parts of the holiday. Was was that, and of course, for a long time now, that's a big no-no. But you know, my childhood, yeah, you just go and talk to the pilot and the co-pilot, and the stewardess would take me and my dad, and we'd both go in there and have a chat to them, and pilot would show me all the buttons and everything, and I'd look out through the windows and see all the clouds going past. It's like. Wow, I mean, what a what a different time that was. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And it, the, you just sort of talking about that has just reminded me of that scene in Airplane where um, the <laughs> <laughs> the little boy goes into the cockpit and uh, he, the, the the captain says, uh, you know, um, something like, "Johnny, have you ever have you ever seen it when your a, a dog rubs up against your leg?" Or he's asking him really yeah. inappropriate questions. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like that in 7500, I have to say. No. Um, but no, it is, I mean, it, you know, so th- there's the added tension because his uh, girlfriend is one of the um, flight attendants. And so there's, there's when shit starts kicking off, you know, and, and you know, you feel like he does, you know, you're absolutely powerless because, yeah. he, you know, the, the pilot is injured Um the you know he's managed to fend off an attacker and then it's like the whole what's go- he he can't you know he's, he's injured himself and he's trying to sort of deal with the situation as best as he possibly can he knows he cannot open that door that's the because thing he's- isn't it that that's the the whole crux of it isn't it he can't he can't open the door and like yeah. you said he's you know his longtime girlfriend is is one of the flight attendants and they've got a two year old child that's at mm. home as well and then you've got these hijackers that are screaming for the door to be opened and i mean the way the threats start they just grab some one of the passengers don't they and say i'm gonna slit its throat if you don't open the door yeah and of course he can't can he no because if he does then you know it's not only it's one of those you know i suppose uh, age-old questions isn't it you know you 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 sacrifice somebody for the greater good which Mm -hmm. if, if he lets them into the cockpit then Everybody's dead, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Not just in the plane, but then, you know, sort of putting people on the ground at risk as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's really, really tense. And, you know, him watching things going on through a tiny little black and white screen, you know, in the cockpit of what's happening and, you know, c- trying to communicate with the uh, the terrorists and then also with the the passengers trying to keep them calm, but then also at the same time saying there's only two of them. You can overpower them, you know? And again, that, that, that's sort of gone through my mind, you know, I suppose you do when you got a bit of a wild imagination, you think to yourself, well, if, if that did ever happen, then although you'd be scared, you know, unless they got guns, you think, well, surely you'd try and overpower them. Wouldn't you, you know, if, yeah. if everybody, if you everybody, rushed to them but then saying that you're in a confined space mm-hmm. you know and it's 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 all that you know you but surely you you would you try and overpower yeah, the because these guys these guys you see them at the beginning the cctv footage isn't there of, of them yeah. going through the airport and they buy bottles of booze and that's what they use as weapon they make you know they smash the bottles and the the fashion uh just like glass knives don't they that's what that's the only weapons that they've got yeah yeah, and it, it's a, it's it's one of those where you, you're sort of watching it, thinking, like, because he does, he encourages the the the, the um, you know the people on the plane to attack the the the, the attackers, and so there's that. So that, but then at some point, you know, he then make he does develop a relationship with one of the um, 
uh, terrorists. Now, I didn't see this at the start. You know, maybe I thought I'd missed it, whether it was based on a true story or not, because um, seeing that CCTV footage made me think, is this CCTV footage that they've used for real? Because it does kind of have that feel about it that it's maybe, you know, it brought back memories anyway of United 93, Mm -hmm. you know, watching that which is an, an amazingly tense film, yeah. you know, even though you know what's going to happen, it's unbelievable watching that, you know, I don't think I've ever physically had a reaction to a film where I was sweating watching it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so this is a bit like that. So, but in in, in some ways, and this is my own uh, problem, not necessarily a problem with the film, but because, I, the, you know, it, it's not, it's a work of fiction, I've sort of felt uh, like, if it was actually something that happened for real, then I would, it would have been like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Yeah, sort of like yeah. a, based on true events or something like yeah. that, You, it would have that much more of an impact. Like we've watched some films in the past, haven't we, where they've then shown photos of the, the real life people yeah. and it's it's brought it home more to you, hasn't it? it so I think like The Highwaymen was another was one of them, wasn't it? You know, where you see pictures of the actual FBI agents or, F, you know, proper, whatever. So that, that that's not necessarily criticism of the film. That's, that's me because it doesn't take away the tense nature of the what's going on or the performance by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, or all that kind of stuff. I really enjoyed it. Kay really enjoyed it. My only two criticisms of it, which took off a couple of points from being, like, say, a five-star film, knocked it down to, say, a, a three-and-a-half to four-star, three-stars, if, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. is it loses a bit of tension when the plane lands. Yeah, if if yeah. I'm being honest, you know the the whole you know it's it the, the the tense nature of the movie is from whether or not he's going to land the plane, yeah. you know, and whether they're going to bust through the door, and then if they do bust through the door, what's going to happen, and all that kind of stuff. That's where the main sort of tense nature of it is. But when when it lands, it lost a you know you kind of thought well you know, but then what made me sort of lose a little bit of um, nervousness, if you want to call it that, was because of the relationship he develops with one of the, the assailants. So he's having this conversation with one of the assailants. He kind of convinces him to distract or, you know, attack one of the, you know, the other terrorists. So he does that. But then he gets into the cabin and then Again, he convinces one, you know, even though he's threatening, he's threatening Joseph Gordon-Levy, but then he, he he convinces him to stab one of the others because he doesn't want to die himself, you know, or he, he you know, he whether he say he convinces him, he just, he, he doesn't want to die. He realises he doesn't want to die. Uh, so then he stabs another one. And then, you know, he, he lands, and this is, what, like I'm saying, this is kind of where it ties into the actual sort of uh, the... the um, you know, there's then this whole nego- hostage negotiation going on and, and whatever. And at that point, I kind of checked out a little bit because I thought, well, if he's convinced him to attack one of the others and then if he's also stabbed one of the others, I never thought at any point he's really going to kill Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's the whole, there is the tense, I suppose, uh, scenes where Levitt's got a, a knife himself and you think, is, the, is he going to try and kill him? Mm-hmm. But so, but it just lost a little bit for me at that stage. I'd say for a good eighty-five percent of the film, it's really good and really on edge, and and I was really on edge, and I really enjoyed it. I just lost a little bit towards the end. Still a really good film, do you know. But but that's kind of where I was coming at it. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Am I being a prick? Or? No, no, no. I felt similar. Really, it did lose. Um, yeah, it did lose a lot of the tension. 
when they landed the plane. And yeah, you nailed it with that, with with his assailant, the one that got in that he does form that bit of a relationship with. And it's, okay. I mean, it was still tense, but not as tense. It was nothing like, and this is like, this is a major spoiler now, because I said that the first passenger that's killed, they threatened to, to cut his um, throat with this, you know, the knife that's made out of glass, which they do. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt's, you know, the, there's the screen and he turns the screen off. And so all he, he just hears what's going on. And then they grab his girlfriend. And then, you know, when you're watching a film and you put yourself into their situation and you think, how horrible must that be that, yeah. the, you know, the woman that you love is there with glass to her throat and you know you can't open that door because like you said, if you open the door, you, everybody's going to die plus people on the ground. You know you can't do it. And the feeling of that and then because of the way that my mind works, I thought, oh my, imagine, imagine if that was like, say it was, say it was, say it was Lucy or Sophie that was there oh, and, they were, and they were doing that to one of your daughters it, it, oh, the decision you'd what the urge to open the door to try and save them would be so overwhelming but then you'd have to fight it because you know it's one of those classic situations that your heart would be saying something but your head would be saying the opposite and you yeah. know you've got to go with your head but it would it would it would kill you in a different way if you know if that was that was the case and you knew you had to do that and again say you know it was one of your kids that had to die for everybody else to live you'd be you'd be fucked up beyond belief for the rest oh, of your okay. life i think you yeah. just could couldn't cope and i think and again i've talked about it in 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 different shows over the years i'm a firm believer that having children really really affects the way that you watch films because mm. I've said the, the very first film that made me cry, uh, and it was in the cinema, as daft as it sounds, was Armageddon. And it's mm. when Bruce Willis is up there and he's talking to his daughter. And I watched it not long after my daughter was born, my first child. And it really hit home because I thought, I then thought, you know, again, I was putting myself in their situation, which I've done from the beginning of films. That's why I love Dawn of the Dead. I've always, oh, I want to be in a, want to be in a shopping yeah. mall with loads of zombies. You know, you put yourself in their situation. And I, I put myself in that situation with Bruce Willis. And it, because I then got a daughter, it hit so much harder. And I think scenes like this, um, and I'm not saying, you know, if you haven't got kids and you can't feel any empathy or, or emotion when you're watching films, but I do think it adds another layer when you've got children, when you're watching stuff like this, and it makes you think, would it be like it you know if if you were there um so that part of the film was wow that that was one of the the most tense scenes and really felt for him and again joseph gordon levitt's performance throughout the film is really good but in that scene in particular you just felt for him so much because you know yeah. you, you could really overplay it uh which we've seen in, you know in the disaster movies that i've talked about from the 70s it's you know so hammy in place is still enjoyable but this this is played right down the line really good and i think because it hits such emotional highs from places like that like you rightly said when they then land and a lot of that tension is taken away it's almost as though you've been holding your breath for so long and now you're at the end and it's almost you've already exhaled and it's like oh well, it can't get any worse so it, it does sort of peter out but still good i think i, I gave it four stars on letterbox out of five <laughs> Uh, yeah, and yeah, I'd happily watch it any time. Any time again.
Yeah, no, like you said, you you summed it up perfectly. I was having that conversation with somebody the other week about, you know, how much you change as a parent. And, you know, I remember when, um, I mean, when Kate came home with Lucy and and Kay was an emotional wreck for Mm -hmm. her. For a few weeks, you know, just anything would set her off, and and you do, you, you know, it's not just emotionally. You look at, you know, I was trying to explain this to Lucy the other day because she wanted to do something, she wanted to go off on her own, and I wouldn't let her. And it was like I tried to have this conversation with an eight-year-old about, as a parent, I see danger where she doesn't, mm-hmm. and and I have to, you know be a knob I didn't say that to her Uh, but in her mind I'm being a prick because I'm stopping her from doing something fun when all I'm seeing is that could potentially be dangerous or you know do you know what I mean so it's you do change you know and I think um, you you perhaps I mean this is I got shows how much I've grown up that when I was younger um, I mean, I still do. I hate anything with animals in it mm. that where animals are being hurt or mistreated or anything like that. But I would hold animals over children <laughs> so when I was younger yeah. because I would see sort of like I had more of a connection with them than obviously yeah, I did with kids, you know. But so but it's one of those that as you know, obviously you get older and you um, develop that emotional um, you know, stuff with going on with kids and everything. It does change. I just want to mention very quickly, it did remind me of a film I reviewed in uh, 2017 uh, called Clash. And it's um, an Egyptian movie and it's set uh, sort of just after the uh, Egyptian revolution. And it's set in the back of a prison van. And it's about how you know the whole film is shot inside the prison van pretty much i think it only ever steps outside maybe once or twice um but the vast majority of the film is shot in the back of this van with a group of people some people hate other people in the van then you've got other people who are there and and it's a brilliant movie and from start to finish it's so tense uh you know and you don't know where it's going or what's going to happen um so i'd also recommend people check that one out as well um from like i said uh the movie was from 2016 and it's called clash and it's a an awesome movie mm. yeah well there you go i think we both enjoyed it didn't we yeah thumbs up definitely for me yeah i would heartily recommend this to uh, to anybody um, interested to, to hear people's feedback people that, are, that have watched it send us an email let us know what you think and then uh, we'll read them out on the next show It'll be good to hear mm. shall we move on to the next one then oh yes why not okay then <laughs> here we go how much longer am I going to have to be here I need your help I want to burn I want to explode I want to have sexual intercourse someone who has a car Watch a car. Stop moping. Try this. They're looking for writers to be a rock critic. I'm Johanna Morgan. I have an interview for the job. Did you think my writing was good? It's not really us. Not cool. Darling, rooms like that need girls like you. Come on, let's go. Good God, it's a child catcher. Johanna Morgan is dead. 
This is the legendary Dolly Wilde. Last night, rock and roll meant nothing to me. By midnight, it was the most important thing in the world. Darling, have you ever done an interview before? I've never done anything before. These are the places you come where you can dance and scream and be with your own kind, where everything is possible. This is Dolly Wilde. She's trouble. Yes, I am trouble. The thing about crossing over to the dark side is that once you're there, it doesn't feel dark at all. My question to you, Johanna, is when did you lose your mind? What do you do when you build yourself, only to realise you built yourself with the wrong things? You rip it up and start again. This we would like to run in the next issue. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Are you, in fact, pretending to be Elvis right now? And there you go. That was the trailer to our second Double Dip film um, from 2019, uh, directed by, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, this person's name, Cocky? 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 Yeah, because there's no E, so probably not Cokey. Cocky? Cocky? Yeah. Cocky? Cocky Geed? Roy? <laughs> the name I can't pronounce very well. Anyway, um, don't know any of the films he's done, but so it doesn't really matter. But still, um, from, yes, How to Build a Girl. Um, cocky, by the way, is a woman. Cocky? Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it is cocky. There you go, cocky. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, right, so, yes. Um, so, <laughs> this is... Where do we start with this? Um, right, okay. <clears throat> Can let, we let be, begin, can we begin before we do anything about the film, uh, just to give people an outline? It's set in Wolverhampton in yeah. in nineteen ninety three. Yes. So this is um, as I mentioned, How to Build a Girl, and it's five. It's currently got five point seven out of ten out of one thousand three hundred sixty one reviews. Um, inexplicably, because um, you know, if you compare the IMDb to the Metacritic, mm-hmm. they are wildly out of sync in some ways. So it's got a 70 uh, score on um, on Metacritic based out of 24 critical reviews, which is sort of like kind of the opposite of um, 7,500. You know what I mean? That seems yeah. to be panned a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, and this um, stars uh, Beanie Feldstein, who I've, not seen in anything else i must admit um i think tina has because i think she mentions that she quite likes her as a, as an actor yeah but she's I've, in um a film i mentioned a couple of episodes ago um book smart which yeah, I've heard is, that. if good. like say if you enjoyed that um good boys i'm sure that you and Kay will enjoy book smart yeah yeah okay um paddy considine uh, who I really like, you know, I'll watch him in anything, to be honest with you. I think he's an awesome actor. I think he should be in more stuff, to be quite honest. But I think he, having read interviews with him, um, he he's quite happy doing what he's doing. You know, he's he's quite happy sort of like sometimes picking the smaller projects. I don't, you know, yeah. he could be in a big blockbuster and he says he's been offered big blockbusters, but, you know, he's turned them down because he's basically got one word or half a dozen lines do you know what i mean mm. so i think he is kind of 
more motivated by doing things that have got a bit more substance. Um, and then you've got a whole host of cameos from the likes of Michael Sheen, Sue Perkins, uh, Sue and Mel, um, Alexi Sale pops up in it, um, Emma Thompson, you know, so there's, there's a lot of cameos from people but the the synopsis and the reason why i picked this was because i read a bit about it and um knew it was had just come out and it was available on amazon prime so i thought there's a good chance that dave hasn't seen it mm. so that was probably part of the motivating motivating factor but also the it's it like you said it's set in wolverhampton mm. now there aren't many films set in wolverhampton <laughs> <laughs> so it, that's you know for me really quite interesting yeah. as I you know live just outside and you know grew up in Wolverhampton um, was born in Wolverhampton didn't live necessarily in Wolverhampton as such but you know just outside but I went to a school in Wolverhampton and um, my friends all came from there so when I went to secondary school you know it was like we'd always go into town which is Wolverhampton you know uh, which is now a city um, mm. but you know we, we went into town and we just met and we'd go to the Manda Centre which you know was the, the place that you'd go and you'd have a little walk around the shops and then you know get the bus home and some of my favourite shops were in Wolverhampton like Software City uh, which was a, a shop that obviously had lots of computer games and video games and I spent my Saturday mornings in there sort of looking at the the computer games you know spending hours just looking at the covers and then you know doing work experience there for a couple of weeks when I was at school that was my if if you know the shops and you know the high street was different and like it was back when I was younger that would be my ideal job. I'd love, you know, it wouldn't matter what I'd got paid. I'd just love to work in, say, a video game shop because I just, it'd be a bit like clerks, you know. I'd just sit and talk to the customers <laughs> about, like, you you worked in a video, a video shop, didn't you? you yeah, know what I mean? a couple, yeah. So, so, like, it would be like that, you know, I could, I'd, if I could, my ideal jobs, if you could make a living from them, would be to work in either a video game shop or a... Um, like a, you know a video or dvd rental place but obviously that they, they don't exist i wouldn't necessarily like to work in game <laughs> if i'm being honest because <laughs> i just don't think that it's got the sort of independent quality where you can sit you know you chat to your customers whenever i've been in game i always feel like and this is no disrespect to the people that work there they kind of sometimes treat you like you haven't got a fucking clue what you you know you know you talk, you, you're there for, uh, and it's so, so I just, some, and then I was trying to sell you some of the other shit as well. So I mean, I'm going off on a tangent here. So anyway, the, the synopsis for this is that uh, a teenager living with her working class family on a council estate in Wolverhampton, England, I don't know why they've added England onto the end of that, but still, uh, grows up to become a popular, but conflicted music journalist. Um, Based on the uh, novel by Caitlin Moran, um, I believe there is a TV show that she, uh, is based on her life called uh, Raised by Wolves, mm -hmm. I believe. I've not actually seen that, but um, I think it was on Channel 4. I think it was that, yeah. Um, on Metacritic, uh, as I'm, I'll read out a couple of the, the, uh, the 
reviews here. So this one, this was interesting because I sent you a link to this earlier on from Mark Kermode, but he wrote for The Observer. It's credit to Feldstein that the wobbliness of her Wolverhampton accent never comes between us and her character. Instead, we simply get on board with her adventures, accepting her for what she is. However odd that sometimes might, or some, sorry, however odd that may sometimes sound. Uh, The Guardian, uh, what a thoroughly likable and funny film. It's a very insightful review. Um, I'll go to Empire. If it fails to mine the deeper themes in this story about a working class writer fighting to find her footing in the music industry, How to Build a Girl is a resounding success as a showcase for Feldstein's capabilities in a leading role. Um, Yeah. So, oh, and I'll do one last one. This is the Boston Globe. So it's no small tribute to Feldstein, who really is something, to say that she's the very best thing in How to Build a Girl, despite being so wildly miscast. Her performance is a tour de force, even if it's too forceful for either its own good or that of the movie. Um, right. Should, I think, do you want to ask me a question? about Yeah, I think you, because yeah, it was Wolverhampton in 1993. Uh, a couple of questions for you. First, what what were you doing in Wolverhampton in 1993? Uh, and the second question, because there's a few exterior shots, are, th- are they real places that they showed? Did they film it in Wolverhampton? Did you recognise anywhere or was it nowhere that you recognised and it might have been filmed somewhere else? So... Uh, first question then. In 1993, I would have been 17 and I was, uh, I, I just, I was doing, a, a, it's called a YT. It's basically like an apprenticeship now, I guess you call it. Uh, but YT stood for youth training. And so I'd spent a day at college and then I'd do like um, work experience at um, the council. And um so I'd done that for about six months and then you could start applying for jobs. So I did and managed to get a job there. And so I just in 1993, in June of 1993, started uh, a job officially. And, you know, I was starting to get paid for, you know, and so I started to get money, really. I was still living at home um, and I just started to go discover going out and drinking and going to clubs. And I think, you know, because I, I, I can remember uh, you know, working where I did and, uh, you know, going in after the weekend, having a, you know, a session or whatever, and sort of saying to the people that I work with, oh, I'm never doing that again, which I'm sure everybody <laughs> has classic. said at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, in, so, uh, I mean, you know, 17... <laughs> Well, it seems like a lifetime ago now, but you know it was a really fun time because I obviously I just left sc- well, I left school when I was sixteen, um, and you know uh, my, I remember my mom again. It's one of those kind of memories that I remember vividly. I was playing uh, Super Pro Protector on the Super Nintendo in my bedroom, and it was <laughs> I think some there was a chap working on the. Uh, uh, the house he was doing something and because um, he came and had a look to see what I was playing and then my mom sort of marching into my bedroom so I'd just finished school saying you're not going to stay in at home all day and play this mm. so she marched me up to uh, the job centre and then you know signed me up for the youth training scheme and then kind of the rest is history you know I've been working well for 27 years now Um so, yeah, so that's what I was doing in 1993. Um, 
the locations, yeah, some of the so that the estate that she lives on is um, a proper estate, and I know it. And th- so some of the things that they mention and reference in the film yeah. is. Uh, genuine so like her brother mentions um the 512 bus which was a bus and which you know i believe goes to uh castlecroft um one of the so when a band come into her living room inexplicably for some reason uh they mention that they're a new band from bilston and bilston is just down the road you know that's you've been to bilston you went to see yeah steven seagal yeah yeah steven seagal Playing the blues in Bilston. <laughs> that was an evening. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Bilston, you know, it's a genuine place. And uh, so when I heard that reference, I thought, fair play. They've clearly done their research, you know, about the bus. Um, the So, yeah, I mean, the, the school itself. And so really, it's just the estate. So I can, and there's a bit where she is running across some fields. And I do recognize that. And that is part of that estate, you know, where she lives. So they did clearly do some of yeah. the. Oh, that's but interesting then, to know. A lot of the movie is set in, like, you know, other places as well. So although it features Wolverhampton, and that, yes, there is some authentic stuff in there, it's not sort of like they take a tour around the town or do you know what I mean? They, Cause obviously it's changed a lot since then, but you know, um, they, they don't sort of focus too much on Wolverhampton other than the estate that she lives on, I yeah. guess. Um, so what, what, what should, where should we start with? So, so some of the things I like, so yeah, it's, it features this character then, as I said, it's not a semi-autobiographical, biographical, biography. <laughs> biographical. <laughs> Biographical, thank you for helping me out. Um, so it, it's not necessarily 100% sort of, you know, it, it even says at the start of the film, isn't it, you know, sort of based on a true story. Yeah. Truish, I think it says. Um, and it is all about the exploits of, um, you know, this schoolgirl. She's 16 and she's clearly very talented in terms of writing. And, you know, she's sort of trying to find a way in the world as a you know 16 year old does sort of a bit angsty feels like you know isn't going anywhere um wants to write but you know is very nervous um wins a poetry competition goes on tv balls it up her dad's uh, played by paddy considine he's a you know sort of if you want to call it a failed musician you know uh, a bit of a wheeler dealer um there's loads of kids in the house this mom is you know, got two young children. She's got two twin ba- uh, babies. Um, he's, she's got a young boy, a, a young brother, an older brother, who she confides in a lot, um, uh, probably inappropriately at one point. Um, and then, yeah, it's it's so she writes this review of uh, from Annie, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow and um, sends it off to, is it is it an ME? Is it, no, or is it a- they make it up. Is it D? DME or something. It's it's sort of a twist on enemy. Enemy uh, paper. Yeah. yeah. So and then go goes off to London. Um, go tries to get a job. Ends up getting a, a job. They they treat her as a bit of a joke, really, don't they? And a bit disparaging towards her. Yeah. But then they end up just kind of like as a way to sort of get rid of her, give her a bit of a job. She reinvents herself as, uh, you know, she changes her, her image, um, how she looks, um meets up with um, Alfie Allen, who plays this kind of, again, sort of angsty 
singer, you know, I, I, I must admit when he was singing, I did think about you, Dave, thinking about who's that person that you took Tina to go and watch and you, you don't, it's very sort of like whiny and warbly. Oh, Rufus Wainwright. That's the one. I kept thinking of him, yeah, and I think he's thinking of you. Sort of like that, you know, about being miserable, writing songs about being miserable and <laughs> stuff. And then, uh, you know, falls in love with him and, and whatever. And then uh, the review that she writes of his show is uh, that they, the people, the, the magazine or the paper don't like it and get rid of her. But, but then they basically say the only way you're going to make it is by being a bitch and by writing horrible reviews. So she does that. She gets really popular, ends up losing herself, ends up finding herself, and then that's kind of the film. <laughs> um, so what I'll tell, say about what I liked about it, I, I liked portions of the soundtrack. Um, yeah. You know, there's like Elastica that, that, that plays a song. There's some songs from that era that play. But I'm guessing that they didn't necessarily have the budget to be able to afford some more other licensed music. Mm. Um, so the soundtrack could have been epic, but I think, you know, they possibly only was able to afford a couple of songs. Because that, to me, like I said, when I was go going out in clubs and stuff, that was the kind of music that they were playing in clubs, you know, like that, you know, those songs. Oh, that'd and be, yeah, stuff. that'd be your time for music. 17 and going out to clubs and the music that would be playing there, you'd like really associate with that. Yeah, so I think that was a probably a bit of a missed opportunity. But then again, if they couldn't afford the licensed music, they couldn't afford it. I like the sort of imagination side of things, you know, in terms of so she, when she's um, in a bedroom, she's got like her heroes on the wall, uh, you know, d different historical figures uh, like Sigmund Freud and uh, Cleopatra and uh, who else is it? Cynthia Plath, I think, is up there and or other people, you know, basically like that. Uh, and they, they all talk to her, you know, and this is where the cameos all kind of like come in. So she's having conversations. I can't, I like that a lot. So I was, at the start of the film, I was kind of buying into it thinking, oh, you know, this is quite engaging. I quite like this. And it happens a little bit further on in the film as well, where, you know, she imagines um, uh, Alfie Allen's there and he gives her, a, you know, he walks her home and the fireworks are going off in the background. No, you know, I kind of, I liked all of that. I like that, you know, she's using her imagination to kind of escape from the world that she's in or the reality that she's in. Um, I like that one point that she goes into a news agent and she's having a look at the paper and the magazines, which is what we all used to do at yeah, WH yeah. Smith. You know, I'd go in there but from work, you know, when I was working in town and I'd go in and I would, uh, you know, we just, I'd read the computer mag, computer game magazines. <laughs> Everybody did, you know what I mean? And like the, even the news agent says, you know, this isn't a bloody library or whatever. Um, but, you know, it costs, I suppose, a timely reminder because Q magazine's just gone out of business, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so printed media is kind of becoming a thing of the past, I guess. Um, as I mentioned, some of the authentic, the authentic locations and all that. So that's all the stuff I liked, which sounds like it's quite a lot of stuff. But the problem I've got, and it's a huge fucking problem, is her herself. She is so irritating to a point where I just couldn't give a shit. I, I genuinely couldn't give a shit about her as a character. Couldn't give a shit about her when she's trying to get into the, the you know, the, the writing, um, you know, and going to the company you know, to you know the enemy whatever uh, to to get a job 
then when she reinvents and, and and she gets even worse because then she turns into a, an utter ass and she gets even more insufferable and then you know having these weird conversations with her brother about shagging and and whatever and i just what the fuck and then you know kind of then going getting digging herself out of that um i just didn't give a shit about she was just irritating and and i think that last review i read she's totally out of a, i'll say out of a depth that's probably being a bit harsh but just not suited for this role whatsoever and she's an american isn't she i think is so yeah yeah so this is the other thing, and again, this is—I'm not being precious because I'm from Wolverhampton, because I really don't give a shit about it, about it. You know, it's it, it but it—it's one of those where the accent and it—it it is distracting to a point where uh, that she obviously clearly trying to sound like she's from the Midlands, but it's all—it's all like a, a faux brummy kind of accent, which then veers into Irish, which then veers into Liverpudlian, which then veers into Australian. And I just thought, I can't take you seriously at all. I just, it's a big problem for me. Um, And it just, it didn't endear me at all to the character. And and that's the thing, you know, you are supposed to root for her because, you know, you Maybe I'm too old. I don't know. But then I don't think I am. I, I just, I didn't buy into any of it. And it's a shame, you know, because like I said, there aren't many films about, from you know, based in Wolverhampton or whatever, mm. based on characters from Wolverhampton or people from Wolverhampton. So it, it just didn't do anything for me. And yeah, the acts, the thing is, you know, like I said, I'm from Wolverhampton, you know, and I don't think that I've got what would, I would class as the typical kind of accent that, you know, it, even Paddy Considine, I mean, and he's from the Midlands, I think, you know, I think he's from, um, I, I think, I don't know, well, he's done films that are set in Nottingham, so I don't know if he's from that area. But it's like, even his accent seems a bit over the top. It's almost as if people, are, they're trying too hard to make it, they've taken sort of like, you know, f- f- the uh, the black country accent, yeah. which yeah. rather than, you know, I don't think people from Wolverhampton talk like that. Maybe from Bilston, I'll give them that. But then <laughs> this is the weird thing because people from Bilston, people who live in Bilston wouldn't, they don't class themselves as being from Wolverhampton. It's like Bilston is a totally separate entity because it was at one point. And so they wouldn't, people from Bilston are very precious about that. If you say, oh, you're from Wolverhampton, they'll say, no, I'm from Bilston because that's on the book, sort of like towards the border of Dudley and Gornal, which is where my in-laws were from. So, and again, like, you know, my, um, I always say to tell people this, like my, my mother-in-law, you know, she, when I went to um, at the house for the first time and met them and um, she always joked, you know, she said, you know, I thought you were posh, you know what I mean? Because like <laughs> being from Gornal and that area, you, they did have very broad, broad black country accents. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'd, have, I'd have to decipher what she was saying sometimes. And it's not that bad, but it just feels as if they're kind of, they're taking it to that point, you know what I mean? Where they're not taking the piss out of it, but it just feels like they're, they're going over the top to try and portray that she's from Wolverhampton. And I don't think they need, they needed to do that. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think, so that does affect the film. So like, for example, one of, you know, one of the things that, you know, my m- mother-in-law sometimes said was, uh, oh, it's on the sailing. It's like, you are 
He says, you know, I think like it's sailing. What's sailing? No, it's on the sailing. It's on the ceiling. Do you know what I mean? So there's that sort of, and like I said, they don't go that far, but they almost kind of, it feels like a bit of a caricature of, and to me, that's a problem. So, and and again, I've seen in other places, like it's a bit like um, Russell Crowe in Robin Hood, like, you know, the accent veers all over the shop. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit, it's just distracting. I just don't feel that they needed to do it. And it's an odd film for for. Her, I must admit, again, not that, you know, Americans can't play British characters and vice versa, because, you know, clearly it happens and people do it very well. But it's it is an odd choice, I must admit, you know, to have her in the lead role. Just don't get it personally. But, yeah, she just irritated me and I just didn't like it. Sorry. Uh, Well, I was pleased when when you sent me the WhatsApp and you said, oh, have you seen this? And. Said no. Okay, so that's that was that was your pick, and like I said, because I'd seen and what a name Beanie, because I'd seen Beanie in Booksmart, and I really enjoyed that film, and I really enjoyed the way that she played the character. I was looking forward to watching her in another film. I thought, oh, okay, this will be good because she's in it. You know, I enjoyed her in in the previous film, and then of course it added another layer when I saw, oh my god, it's set in Wolverhampton. So you know, this will give us something to talk about. It'll be interesting. Uh, as well and like you it began and me and tina were sat watching it and we thought yeah we engaged with it and we thought yeah this this could be pretty good um and then it then it wasn't the accent thing was a big problem from the beginning uh and i'm i'm gonna go out there and say maybe people from other countries um maybe even within the uk people that are not familiar with the midlands accent would be fine with it because you don't know what a Midlands accent sounds like. But if if you do know what a Midlands accent sounds like and then you're listening to this, it's a big hurdle to get over. Mm. And like you said, it does vary between this. I only call like shades of that Midlands accent now and again. Mostly it was, like you said, Scouse from Liverpool and Australian and Irish, all those that you said clearly came out and you were thinking... Surely you'd be better, A, maybe giving a more voice coaching or cast somebody else. And it was good. And Tina brought this up as well. It's a good point that it's, you know, it's good that she's not um, a size zero, classically beautiful um, female playing this role that, you you know, you'd often get um, that it gives, you know, it gives a good message to girls out there, you don't have to look like that. You don't have to sound like this. You can succeed in what you want to do. You know, that positive message of following your dreams and also giving the message of, you know, don't be horrible as well. Mm. You, you know, if you're going on that journey of following your dream, it's that whole thing, isn't it? You know, be careful um, who you piss off on the way up because you're going to pass them on the way back down as well. So, you know, it, there's some good messages within the film. It's just unfortunate that the way that it's, played out with this character who becomes so, so annoying when really you should have empathy for and, and, and feel for her all the way through. And there is that that moment that it really does jump the shark. When, I mean, it's, it started off with because the brother and sister and the brother is so supportive of her. And I thought, well, that's bullshit anyway. Because <laughs> going from my two kids... <laughs> They're, what, 20 and 21, and they still bloody fight like cat and dog now, though they're never going to 
be that supportive to each other. But when she's coming back and she's telling her brother these really intimate sex stories about how how she's having sex doggy style and the secret is to keep moving around the bed so we can't get it all inside her and then she suddenly found oh and I found suddenly found this thing and it was a it was a penis that was too big to go in me and it's like no sister would tell a brother that R- really yeah um and I know we're t- both of us are only children and we haven't got you know brothers or sisters but did does that go on again? Email us if you have a brother or sister and those <laughs> conversations went on because I don't think they ever happen. Uh, and she did, because as the running time went on, she got more and more annoying. Um, the, the character, like I said, her accent, everything about it. I wasn't all in on the stylistic choices. I didn't mind her talking to the, like the photographs and the paintings and the newspaper cuttings that were on a wall. We've seen that in a lot of films before. Did get a bit weird with um, the singer when she's the, the scene at a bus stop and he comes to life and he's got this ready breck glow around him. Yeah. Um, oh, no, that's a step too far stylistically. For me, it was another thing that took me more out of it and I didn't want, just didn't end up giving a shit about anything that was going on. And then when her life started spiraling out of control, we were both, yeah, fuck you, you deserve it, and don't give a shit what happens to mm-hmm. you. Um, Paddy Considine, as always, is really good, has a small part. Whenever he's on screen, he's always worth watching. Uh, but she she was just so annoying. The character was annoying. And, yeah, long before the end credits rolled, we were like, oh, God, this is so bad. This is so bad. Um, yeah, didn't let Tina give it one star on Letterboxd. Um, I went up to two because the way that it started, there was bits here and there that I quite enjoyed. So it just about scraped a two star for me, but I would I would never watch it again. So so disappointed. I wanted to enjoy it, and I did enjoy it at the beginning. It just it just took a nosedive, um, especially like I say that jump in the shark scene, talking about the sex and that. It just didn't recover from that. It just got worse. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and all along, you know, I was just thinking of other films that have sort of feature, you know, uh, teenage angst, if you want to call it, or just trying to discover who you are and trying to reinvent yourself. Uh, and it just made me think, I just want to watch Sing Street, you know, because oh yeah, it's got similar themes in as much as that, you know, this young lad who is in a new place he's kind of trying to find his friends getting bullied a little bit you know um and reinvents himself all the time based Mm -hmm. on the music that is popular at the time and you know kind of developing the relationship with the girl and then the band that he's in and everything i just kind of thought i really want to watch sing street because that is how you do a film of kind of i suppose a coming of age film and i know it's a little bit different because that's fictional and this is i guess based on an you know sort of autobiography or you know semi-autobiography but at the same time it was the the character is just so off i just couldn't give a crap you know and and that's the thing so big thumbs down for me i'm afraid sorry dave (laughs) well we weren't to know you picked it for some good reasons and like i said we were looking forward to watching it um it did spark a mini little debate on twitter when i tweeted that this was going to be the film uh, one of the double dip films, and t- the first thing that Tom 
my decade of decadence co-host tweeted um, back was Chris is going to hate Beanie's accent. Uh, and then Tina posted a couple of questions for us. And she said, as only children, how would you feel if you had a sister who insisted on telling you all her sexual exploits? Oh, God. Yeah, I think that answers it very clearly. Uh, and two, was Joe Hannah? Yeah, I'll come back to that in a second. From A, Liverpool, B, Australia, C, Sunset Boulevard near Moose. Um, to refer in there to the movie The Fanatic that we did a show about. We'd got a terrible London accent. Um, but then, then she goes on to say the accent was nothing compared to telling her brother about the big penis. Just horrible. Uh, and then Tom finished off with saying, I thought there was going to be a weird incest plot, plot for a minute, to be fair, which it did seem it could have gone that way with brother yeah, and sister. Yeah, definitely. But then a brother was gay, I think, if I picked up on that, mm. because, um, you know, there's certain conversations where he's talking about, you know, going off to meet a, a lad, isn't there, you know, and... Uh, you know, he, he had his first kiss with him. I think I picked up on that. I kind of, like I said, I was kind of hovering in and out of consciousness at that stage. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing as well. Isn't it? It's the night. I think, you know, it sounds like I'm being really mean and horrible, but that even the, her, the pronunciation, yeah. pronunciation of her name itself was irritating because it wasn't just Joanna; it was Johanna. Yeah, I was like, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Sorry, just really, no, didn't like it. No, even, yeah, we were, again, just the same, that pronunciation, just just say Joanna, stop with this, Johanna, because every time anybody said Johanna, it was, oh, God, shut up. Mm. Yeah, no, not good, mate, not good at all. Um, oh, well, there's, there's always the next show, the next double dip. Yeah, definitely. I'm just looking at some of the music from, from that era and, and you know, um, What Is Love by Hadaway. Um, mm, good creep, song. Cre- yeah, Creep by Radiohead. Um, I know you probably wouldn't have liked that, but I no. did. Um, Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. Oh, Animal classic. Nitrate by Suede. Uh, you know, the, uh, Linger by the Cranberries. Um, you know, so the, there is, the you know, if you think, I mean, they reference um, House of Pain, jump around, uh, you know, because like she writes a shitty review of of that, and that's that's something else that pissed me off. It's like, what the fuck are you on about? That's awesome. Anyway, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the Breeders, Cannonball. I mean, these were the songs that I insane in the brain by Cypress Hill. Yeah. You know, I would have sort of been dancing to in adverted commas uh you know when i was, was started going out you know what i mean and and there would be sort of like some of the music and then around that time as well you'd have sort of like bands like um oasis and blur starting to come into the fray as well so but anyway okay if you can't afford the music you can't afford the music do you know what i mean mm, so that's it yeah oh well yeah if you enjoyed it Dear listener, let us know. If you didn't, let us know. Let us know what you think about uh, both of those Double Dip films. Uh, love to hear. Do you agree with what we think? Uh, and by far, 7,500 was the best one. By a long, oh, yeah. by a long, long way. Definitely. Uh, right, to close this all off, usual housekeeping. The website, like we said, it's just in the middle of a little bit of a facelift. Uh, 60 minutes with uk. Uh, contact us from one there. Email us direct. Contact at 60 minutes with uk. Twitter and Instagram are both at 60 Minutes With. Uh, loads of reasons to follow us on everything that we do, to visit the website for the news, reviews, podcasts. Uh, you can save money, uh, like you said earlier, Chris, Amazon UK. And as we get, I know we're still in summer, but Christmas will be upon us. 
before you know it. Uh, if you're going to shop from Amazon UK, just do us a favour. Use the link on the website, a couple of extra clicks. Uh, it doesn't cost you a penny more. Do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and a really good thing you can do for us, and I keep saying this, and we haven't had one for a, a little while, send us a review. If you're listening to this and you've not sent us a review, just email us one. There's a, a page on our website where they all go up on there. That helps us in so many different ways that you wouldn't believe uh, just for two minutes of you typing a few nice words or maybe typing a few not so nice words if you don't enjoy what we do. Either way, mm. uh, send us one. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said um, it on one of the Spotlight shows recently. I said, uh, you know, oh, no, it was the Metallica one, sorry. And I said, you know, if you like the show, great, tell us. If you don't like it, tell us. I, you know, I'd probably be more upset if somebody says, well, yeah, it was all right, you know. <laughs> tell us one way or the other. Hopefully you'll enjoy it, but yeah. Yeah, let us know. How can people find you, mate? Uh, I'm at Dastardly Jabby on Twitter. Very good. And of course, it's the at 60 Minutes With for the main account, which is where I post most of my stuff. Oh, and one bit of news as well, just in case people don't know, because I know everybody uh, is not on social media. Our podcast mascot Bodhi now has his own sponsor, The Barkside, uh, another small <laughs> independent British firm that we love to support. Uh, check out The Barkside. Uh, Sarah, who runs that, uh, they do some some great stuff on there. It's tested by Brutus the dog. Uh, it's all below recommended retail price. Uh, like we say, we do sponsorship different here. We don't get uh, we don't get paid or anything like that. We just do our bit to support British companies um, like the Barkside, like Dean of the Dead Hot Sauces, like Below the Belt Grooming, um, and get get their products into more people's ears and hopefully buying it. So have a look at the Barkside. Uh, and on, oh, yeah, this show could be out by then, August the 8th, Bodhi's five. Five Aww. years old. Oh, it's his birthday. So yeah, I have to have a little party here. <laughs> <laughs> little doggy party. Oh. Right then. Get him, get him a new bone from or a doggy toy. Get him something to shag. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, he's weird. He has, he, <laughs> for, he, he does have a sex toy, which is just <laughs> big. <laughs> <laughs> it's not some blow-up female dog. Uh, yeah, it's this soft toy that he does like to shag. But the favourite thing, he always has to have something in his mouth when he shags as well. So he normally picks up one of his smaller, um, soft, fluffy toys. And his favourite thing is, is like rubbing himself on the edge of his bed um, with like monkey in his mouth or something. Um, I don't know where he's got that from. I've never done, I've never done that. I was going to say, has he ever seen you do anything no, like that? Oh, no. I never put anything <laughs> in my mouth when I'm rubbing myself on the edge of the bed. Jesus. Oh, you normally gags, don't want you? You've got one of them, you know, <laughs> balls in your mouth or something. Yeah. <laughs> He'll move on to that after he's five, when he's a little bit older. <laughs> awesome. Right then, we shall disappear. Until next time, thank you for listening uh, and uh, goodbye. Bye bye. And this will fade out properly. That's awesome. I like doing it that way. It's cool. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Do I have to... Are you going to just stop the recording when it finishes? No, I'll leave it going till, till we finish, just in case. Okay. There's no... In... <clears throat> there you go. It's all done. No, that's really cool. I like that. I like being able to hear what's going on. and Because obviously you use your imagination and stuff with the, you know, the trailers or whatever. But actually being able to hear it it's makes a difference, real. I think, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I really like that. <laughs>